Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Mad Get Radio, episode number 32, and we've got a scorcher, that's right, a scorcher, get the pun, of an episode for you lined up today, as we've been given VIP access to the new Infernal Dwarf army book. So on the show today we'll be giving you the full rundown on all the new army book entries, including a unit by unit review, and we'll be revealing all their nasty new special rules. And as always, I'm joined by my faithful sidekick, he's the JD to my Turk, it's Paul. What's going on guys? hope everyone's psyched. We've finally got a new army book. Something new to talk about. It's all very exciting. How's it going man? Yeah, it's good okay. Surviving the lockdown. Trying to keep busy. Trying to keep busy. Doing a wee bit of hobby. Been busy. We've been uh, taking part in this UB tournament that the USA ETC guys have put together. So that's been keeping us busy with games. And I, I suppose trying to do, you know, normal work in between. If I can be bothered. Tis a pain, isn't it? It gets in the way, I'm not going to lie. Mm. And you've also got an exciting new announcement. Hashtag Madget Exclusive. You've been given a new role on the team. Oh, right. Yeah, shit, I forgot. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so kind of out the blue, we were kind of approached um, by some of the existing exec people looking for a new head of playtesting. So I rather foolishly threw my hat into the ring and said I'd give it a go. So, yeah, I've been... Trying to get to grips with this, and it's not really been particularly exciting at the minute. Being in between army books, um, we've not actually kicked off playtesting yet for the new book, but that is very much on the horizon. And so, really, we've just been trying to get the team organised. Um, Sick. Yeah, trying to recruit some more people. So, hopefully, in the next wee while, there'll be some sort of announcement somewhere in the forums about applying. People are going to be interested in joining the playtesting team. So trying to grow the team a little bit, get more people on board. Hopefully we can playtest things a little bit more thoroughly and potentially playtest multiple things at the same time as well. So a lot's going on. Exciting stuff. Um, so what about additional hobby? You've obviously been involved in the social distancing uh, tournament. How's that been going? It's been good crack, yeah. like um, We've been pretty fortunate. We've played uh, a Belgian team some of the USA guys uh, and some of the Team England people. So we've had pretty good opponents up till now. I've had three really enjoyable games. Awesome. Um, I think we've probably like struggled as a team to get like consistent points. But I mean, certainly some <laughs> of the guys have got like some pretty good performances. Test the um, Team Scotland way. <laughs> yeah. Kev's done pretty well. He's got a couple of quite good scores at his games. Um, Matt's got a couple of good wins as well. Me and Callum have kind of struggled. I think we've both played three games and both lost three games, but they've been fun. <laughs> Mad get stats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been good. good. Um, it's it's nice. Like it kind of gives you something to think about. Like there's the, the kind of etc aspect to it, in that you know all the lists are out, so you can spend time. In between rounds, thinking about matchups and 
the pairings and that kind of stuff. So it's nice. It's it's been a good event. So I think it's you know a lot of people are getting a lot out of it. And it's I think there's like thirty odd teams. There's quite a lot of people. Yeah, it's very impressive. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think there there was talk of doing something similar in the UK. On a, kind of, on a kind of UK level, so we'll see if that actually happens. Um, but I think just now it's like the really the only good way to get games in right now, obviously. So I think you know more hobby is always good. Yeah, totally. Uh, what about yourself? Uh, not a huge amount. It's actually been pretty busy for me, just with like work stuff um, and applying for jobs and funding and things when the world's falling apart. It's kind of uh, a little bit problematic, as you well know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been we've been playing our campaign. Um, yeah, that's been really good. So that's just about finished now. We've just about finished testing that. So we'll be releasing the reviewed rules uh, soon. Uh, we'll be covering that in a future episode as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, so we have we've had a few campaign games. Uh, I've done a little bit of hobby. I tried to paint some vampiric bats from Titanforge um, and utterly fucked them. Utterly fucked them. It's been a you're long having, time since I've done something that bad. You don't have any strip them though, right? It's not that bad. I don't think so. Um, I tried a new method to do like uh, the membrane in the, uh-huh. the wings. So the idea was is that you do your base coat and then you ink wash it and then you ink wash it again, but you only you go so far and then you ink wash it again and you only go so far and it's meant to give like a shading effect. Yeah. So it looks more. Uh, translucent at the bottom. Okay, cool. Um, what in fact happened is that it just looks shit, <laughs> and it doesn't work. <laughs> what kind of uh, inks are you using for that? So I used because uh, it was because it's like a fleshy membrane. I used Reichland flesh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think that's part of the issue was is I think that's too dark, and the red tones were too much. Did you dilute it, or did you just go straight from the pot? Um, I didn't for the first one, and the second one I diluted a little bit, and the third one I diluted it. Okay, cool. Um, but oh, I just it's not it's not worked. And then I tried to dry brush it over to make see if that made a difference, and it just looked shit. So. Oh well, this is how you discover new things, though, right? You gotta you gotta test shit. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're sitting <laughs> on my paint table of shame just now, and I'm avoiding eye contact with them until I figure out a way to uh, tackle them. But that's that's probably about the, the peak of hobby that's been encountered so far um but as you say ub's been a godsend been able to get some games in so yeah all is well in the world dude i can relate though i've got three different ogres sitting on my paint bench all with varying skin tones painted all slightly differently and they're all shit i can't actually find one i like so it's i guess this is good though right because it's we've, we've got the time to do hobby so we can figure all this shit out now and... you'd think that right but then <laughs> you, you go and look at your paint up and you're just like not today <laughs> <laughs> This is why you don't put too much on your paint table at any one time, and then it keeps the guilt levels low. Exactly. That's why I'm trying not to buy anything new. Just keep that minimum grey wall. Trying to restrain from buying your Macar. <sighs> to be covered in a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe demons now as well, I don't know. Hmm. We'll come back to that. Right, so we've kept the, the listeners waiting long enough. On the show today, we'll obviously be talking about the new Inferno Dwarf book, which we've been very kindly given a sneak preview of um we're going to be smashing this episode out it's going to be a monster just fyi um and it might not be as polished as previous episodes just because we want to get it out before the release so we can give you guys a bit of an insight into the book so um 
The structure of the show is going to be basically just a full review. We're going to be talking about our initial thoughts of the ID book. Uh, we'll go through it unit by unit, talking about all the different uh, builds we think are going to be popular, which units caught our eye, which units didn't. Um, we've been given quite a lot of submitted questions, which is really cool. So we're going to be covering them at the end, and then uh, we'll be yeah just doing our usual wrap-up. So grab a beer if it's socially acceptable when you're listening to this. Um, grab some minis and we will dive straight in. Um, but before we get to the ID book itself, just as a kind of palate cleanser before we get into you know the critical analysis of the, the ID book, it's time to sample the delights of everyone's favourite salty sailor. Yeah, baby. It's salt time. What's up guys? I hope everybody is okay, safe at home. I'm painting a lot. Please be painting. So um, this is so we can fill the tables with painted models. But so for today, the topic is not related to ID because we weren't expecting it. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the terrain in the game. We have a few terrain features where they have not a lot of impact in the game and sometimes they do, but it's very situational. But most importantly, when you look at the table of, an, of our game, it's very dull. And when you look at other tables like 40k or Flames of War, Star Wars or any other game basically, you can see fantastic tables with a lot of terrain features there, especially in 3D, but that's another discussion. And they do have an impact, or they don't, it's just like it's a makeup for the table and for the game. But it always looks better when you play like that. But then, for instance, you start looking at the terrain features that we have, and we have, for example, buildings are not really buildings. Now they are impossible. And we have a lot of impossibles in the game. Are you really telling me that you cannot write a rule for buildings to work? After five years, you, we cannot find a rule that works. Seriously. Also, fences. Oh, the fences are great. Fences are in the middle of nowhere all the time. They don't guard absolutely anything. Anything. And they only impact the chariots okay i don't think that the pork from the orcs can jump a fence but that's fine that's fine that's fine that's fine and that for example the water features water features are fucking shit they're only it's like have you ever seen a chariot trying to pass through a river or a pond or whatever it has to have fucking have dts but you don't know only standard infantry. Why? Just because. Just because. Also, also, it only turns off the flaming attacks when you are in combat. No one you are shooting arrows there or magic missiles. They don't lose the flaming ability. Why? It's because you jump out of the water so you can eat the, the magic missile of fire in your face without saving it anywhere. 
like or the flamethrower or whatever this is so, so fucking stupid so yeah in the end terrain i think is very situational very shit it doesn't have an impact and it doesn't make any sense because we have four a small piece of forest somewhere in between there like maybe or may not be in a position where it has an impact in the game or you can get cover or not and it's oh, the, the ruins the ruins are so annoying the ruins are so annoying because it's it's kind of like it doesn't make any sense it doesn't really make much sense but it's, 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 oh, it's so frustrating every time that I see a game of 9H and I see a scattered terrain like six or seven pieces in the middle of nowhere it's like it's like we like the armies choose the middle of nowhere to have a fight with no terrain at all and it's yeah okay this seems this seems good we don't have any advantage they don't have any advantage let's play here it's like, yeah i'm seriously have a problem with this this is so 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 frustrating so so frustrating so on this week's salt mine, Martin is salty about terrain, uh, about the impact it has on the game, but also about the way it makes the table look. What are your thoughts, Paolo? I am sympathetic to Martin's plight. I totally get where he's coming from. Um, certainly when it comes to things like random walls in the middle of nowhere. Like, I think... From a rules perspective, I think the terrain pieces probably do enough in the game to have an effect. Yeah. Um, but thematically, things like random walls and buildings that aren't actually buildings, they're a little bit kind of flat and not very exciting. I think, I don't know if this is something like, that probably falls into the same category as like painting at tournaments and stuff like that. I don't know if the the terrain and the, the kind of terrain layouts are more symptomatic of the game being balanced and geared towards tournaments yeah. more than casual play. Um, I don't know how you fix that without having separate like, map packs and things like that. Um, but then that, again... I, I wouldn't really, I don't know if I'd want them to do that because then that also kind of ties in with like the the army, like the accessory books and things like that, that are kind of seen as like kind of just add-ons to kind of supplement people's kind of more hobby-driven aspirations for the game. Yeah, and then when you get to tournament level, they're not really used or they're not allowed to be used and they'll, they'll you know, a lot of them will just want to use 2D terrain and stuff like that, so... I don't know, it's kind of a difficult one, I think, to address. This is it, because they try to kind of satisfy both camps by releasing the additional map pack stuff where it's got all the different terrain rules. I'm a little bit dubious as to whether that actually works, because, like you say, it's kind of seen as unofficial, and yeah. things like tournaments won't use them unless they're specific, you know, like thematic or narrative tournaments or, or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know if they're the best way to fix that issue. I do agree with Martin though, and like Martin, um, I love seeing nice boards. And yeah. if you aren't in the hobby and you go into somewhere like Common Ground or Element Games or Firestorm, 
and you walk past a table with rank and file, big units, and a really nice looking table. That's what gets people asking questions. Yeah, for sure. And you don't you don't get that when it's two D terrain. Um, I'm a big advocate for two D terrain at, at things like events because it just makes the world a much easier and happier place. But I think there needs to be I don't know maybe need to make more of an effort, especially at events as well because that's where you get the photos on social media and things like that. So maybe making terrain that fits on the two D terrain that's something I've been considering because um, there's a guy called Adam on the forum who's done this. Definitely check out if you're interested, um, because he's basically made all his terrain to fit exactly on the outlines of the, of the terrain packs, mm-hmm. uh, and it looks great. And the idea is that it looks great on the table, and then whenever your unit goes into it, you take it off, uh, so yeah. that there's no issue with like you know trying to march a unit of forty ghouls through a, a ruin or whatever. Well, there is an issue because why the fuck are you doing that? But, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the the balancing aspect as well. I think the map packs work well because they're essentially, you know, part of the game mechanics. But when you take a step back and you think, why the fuck is that wall in the middle of nowhere? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, the terrain rules have kind of gone through different variations over the years. Like what causes DTs and what doesn't cause DTs for different types of units has changed. I think certainly things like walls now and like even forests aren't as bad as they used to be. I don't know if they needed to be as kind of brutal with how they've changed them, but I think they could... I think what most of them do in-game is enough, and I think even if you feel like the boards don't look that appealing, people intuitively do use the terrain to their advantage. If you give someone the option, do you want the hill in your deployment zone or do you want to give it to your opponent, chances are you'll want the hill more often than not. Because you know it does something and you know it's useful. I guess apart but, from hills and impassable, yeah, the other terrain doesn't have a huge impact on the game. Obviously, if you've got a big block that's in a forest and it gets charged, then that's that's a problem. But overall, I think that terrain's had has progressively had less and less impact on the game. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess, I guess it depends on who you ask. Though, like if you ask people that like to run gun lines, they probably fucking hate terrain. Yeah. Yeah, and so they um, <laughs> So, like, I guess it, it probably affects more lists, you know, than others in some ways. I would absolutely agree with them, though, that for the purposes of playing a game that is exciting to watch, the current terrain that we use isn't that exciting. It's pretty boring. And, you know, the fact that when we go to, like, a, an event like Carinade or something like that, we've always gone out of our way to make the table look way more realistic and cool and just way more immersive. Yeah. More akin to something like a historical game. Yeah. So I guess it just depends. Everyone's got like their preference. Some people will love the 2D terrain because it makes playing the game easier. Um, but yeah, maybe this is something, like I say, needs to be thought about more for events. The other thing as well is having more terrain on the table looks cool, but then it means you need more terrain. Yeah. And even at Common Ground, which is quite a big gaming store, if we were needing 20-plus tables for an event, if we were using more terrain than what we currently use, like I think Steve would start to struggle. Certainly for providing terrain for the other tables that are in the store. So 
more terrain I think would be cooler and an ideal, but it's well okay that has now a cost and a practical consideration. So personally, if I was playing a game at someone's house and they filled the the, the board with terrain, I think I think it would be cool. But at a club level and like an event level, it's probably more difficult. Mm. So I, it swings around. Yeah, I don't think they can really get away from the inherent issues of training the game without redoing the terrain rules as well. Like Martin's point about the water not affecting things like chariots is stupid. It should it should affect things like that. Um, but if you're doing that, then you kind of need to go back and look at all the terrain. Um, obviously, buildings have been a massive issue, which Martin flagged. Yeah. Um, but they they kind of just decided that there's no way to fix them, which you know I don't I don't, I, I tend to agree with Martin. I think that's not the best way to do it, but. Uh, and like the walls, ideally, pro- the walls should probably be replaced with something like a walled field, or something like that. That's actually a set terrain piece, which gives you know defensive bonuses. But at that point, you're talking about basically overhauling the, all the terrain rules, and maybe they just they're not going to do that because they're too advanced, and it would take them about forty fucking years to do it. Yeah, I, I think I think buildings is probably one of the big ones that. They could change. Certainly, like capping it to like certain size units. So you've maybe got to have like a, you know a unit that's no bigger than like ten models, or it has to have skirmish or something like that, and it can really only be used as like a position for like small ranged units or something like that to yeah. shoot from. Like thematically, that makes sense rather than like a big horde of like forty slaves marching into a building. Like, what the fuck is that all about? But. Um, zombies when you put them in. Twenty zombies went in. <laughs> Eighty zombies came out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you, there's ways you could do it. You just have to think right. What inherent bonuses do, does that give yeah. to doing it, and what are the potential negatives of doing that? Like as long as you're not making it too strong, then I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. But yeah, it's like one of these things. They could come out and do it, and then even if they were to decide that these were then optional rules, then the fact that that doesn't become universal probably means that most people wouldn't even use them. Yeah. So it probably is something that they need to spend more time on. Alrighty, so that sounds like it's another point for the salt miner. He's yeah. he's racking them up. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, like most of the time when Martin complains, though, there is a degree of logic there. <laughs> yeah. The problem it comes when you're you kind of get on board with the conversation and then it just goes mental and you think right okay Rain and Martin, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he's a salt miner. Yeah, basically. Okay, right. So leaving terrain to one side, uh, although we will be touching on terrain over the course of this review, um, <laughs> it's time to go to the main event, which is uh, which is rather the Infernal Dwarf Arm book. Um, so before we get into the, we have to say a big disclaimer that. We've only been given a couple of days access to this book. We've furiously gone through it and made disturbing notes, uh, talking about you know all, all the stuff we were talking before we started recording. It's a bit like um, the notebook from American Psycho, our notes on the Infernal Dwarf book. Um, but it's hard to completely get sorry overview look at the book without seeing it on the table. And there's going to be things that we've we've missed, things that we maybe misinterpret. Um, so don't get your panties in a twist. But. Yeah, for sure. And obviously this is like a beta release in effect. Like this isn't going to be gold, so like... And there will be things that change. <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be a lot of shit in this book that changes. So I guess 
we shouldn't be too hard on them. I mean, it took them like a year to get like the the warrior book to gold status, right? So like, hopefully it doesn't take as long. And I, I certainly think it doesn't have the same kind of problems as the warrior book had. And certainly they learned a lot from when they did the demon book. So I think yeah. they're definitely on the right lines. I think obviously because there's the whole controversy around this, because um, there was the leaks and you know who done it, blah blah blah, which we're not interested in. Um, but a lot of people saw the the book, um, including both of us, and had a very strong initial reaction. And there were screams that it was broken and that it was so OP and it was basically just going to dominate the meta. Ugh, dirty word. Um, would you agree? What did you think upon just your first read through the the rules? Yeah, I think I think first off that's fair. I think when the leaks were coming out, I think people were really worried that. They had totally like jumped the shark with this book, and they had gone fucking mental. Yeah. Um, actually, reading through this version, that's not my impression of the book anymore. I think there's certainly things in here that are surprising. Some of things that are clearly very strong, but overall, I don't think I'd say the book is OP. Um, there's certainly a couple of quite unique model entries. I think are quite interesting and cool that they've they've tried to bring in something different for the book. Yeah. And I think there's some things that they've changed um, for the better. So you'll maybe see more of now than we did before. But then also conversely, I think there are certain units now that are definitely weaker. And because of what units they are, I think that actually might hurt the book to a degree because they are quite charismatic and they're kind of tentpole models for the ID book. Um, but overall, I think the book's actually fine to read through. Like, it, I wasn't thinking, oh my god, this is going to be, like, UD on crack, or, like, yeah. super overpowered German Swarm that are going to have super good shooting and, you know, res 4, 3-up armor models. Like, I don't think it's that bad at all. Yeah, I agree. I when I the first read through, I think I was drawn to a couple of the entries which are very, very strong. Um yeah. and a couple of their special rules which are strong. And I just saw it as a kind of like force multiplier that they were getting because there's a lot of unit rules in this book, and we'll come back to mm. that at the end, but um there there seems to be have been an injection of model rules. Which is kind of contrary to, you know, the the project's approach a couple of years ago. But um I think people saw that they saw some of the new stuff and they were thinking this is going to be mental on the table. Um, but actually, and it's funny because we, we, we were talking about this this morning, um, going through it again and actually going through each unit start by start, there's some significant, I would say nerfs, but changes to units, which quite radically impacts them on the table. And that's going to have a big impact on how well the, the book competes. Mm. Right, so let's just get stuck in. So the way this is going to work is we're going to start right at the beginning. We're going to walk you through everything. Um, and then at the end, we'll come together and we'll have a, a chat about where we think the book is now that we've had some time to think about it. So, Paolo, can you kick us off with the Army Model Rules, Universal Rules? Okay, so first off the bat, we've got a universal rule called the Fires of Industry, which immediately makes, just makes me think of the Two Towers movie. Of course. So, yeah. Um, so basically, 
the exact wording of the rule is sum of the fires of industry value stated in brackets of all models in the army is restricted to zero per six. So basically what this is, it's a limitation on the number of war machines that you can take. Yeah. They've effectively reorganized the army book structure. So before I think there were six different categories are now four. And some of the artillery is in the special category. Basically, this restriction limits you to how many war machines you can actually get in a list. So some war machines will only have fire of industry value of one, some will have two. There's a character option that has one as well, so it just tries to balance the number of shooting you can get in the list. So this is all this is really talking about. Which makes sense, because nobody wants to see 20 flamethrowers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That would be horrendous. Um, so from there we're going to move on to incendiary, which is quite a prominent rule in the book. This kind of factors into a couple of different units. Um, the first time I read this, it took me a wee while to really get what it was doing. Um, that might just be me because I'm thick, but um, it's, I think at first reading it's a bit strange. So basically the wording is, a unit with one or more instances of incendiary gains flammable. And basically how this rule is going to work is um, once the unit becomes flammable, it maintains that for the duration of the game until it is hit by either flaming attack in combat or at range. So basically it's a way to get Rural to wound onto ship. Yeah, it's replacing the haze mechanic from the, the previous yeah. handbook. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again in the book as we'll go through there's a couple of different ways to get this onto enemy units and because you're in Feral Dwarves there's a whole bunch of flaming shit in the book so it's going to be pretty important for some of the synergies that they've came up with Yeah. I guess the, the main thing to note from the difference between that and Haze is that you don't get the additional what is it like D3 something um when Haze was activated. You don't get that with Incendiary. But I think there's more ways to activate and synergize with Incendiary in the, with the book now. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. And I guess the other thing to point out is because you're making things flammable, this is going to be another thing that you're going to need tokens for. Yes. So I know that was true. always something that people like complained about in previous books and then changes for like magic and stuff. Was, oh, it's, it's more shit you need on the book. So you're going to need a way of actually marking what models have uh, that are flammable through incendiary. So it's something to bear in mind. Yeah. But thematic makes sense. It's a cool rule. Yeah. Um, and then the third rule we've got here is Infernal Brand. Um, the model considers all units that do not contain any models with Infernal Brand insignificant. It can only join or be joined by models with Infernal Brand. Models without Infernal Brand and units within six inches of a friendly non-flame model with Infernal Brand gain battle focus and must reroll charge range rolls. So that's actually something that appears a couple of times in the book. Um, this rerolling charges, which is interesting for a dwarf book. Um, I mean, there's a couple of like mounted options in the book, which gives the lists a little bit more speed, maneuverability, but being able to give reroll charges to your infantry blocks is 
interesting for dwarves. Effectively, that part of the rule is only going to affect like the uh, the vassal units and the slave units, yeah. which are your kind of non-elite dwarf units anyway. So, giving them battle focus is is interesting, but I don't think it's a big deal really. They're not going to be pumping out a lot of damage. Yeah, I shot the bed when I read this the first time. Because <laughs> I read that as everything with Infernal Brand gets yeah. battle focus and must reroll. So I was like, "What are they doing? This is." <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you say, it's only it's only the slaves and the vassal units. Um, yeah, but there's interesting cool synergies and stuff that you can make with that, which we'll we'll touch on later on. Interestingly, like the the Toric units, which are still in the book, have Infernal Brand, so yeah. they don't benefit from the the reroll charges or the battle focus either. It's really just the vassals and the slaves. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we've got uh, talking of Torocs. There's a special rule called the Toroc Ritual, and basically this is like a char- character upgrade, which changes your dwarf into a beast, so it can join Toroc units. So it effectively becomes a beast on a 25 by 50 mil base size. You gain tall. You get um, one impact hit. You lose marching shoot. And you are your movement value becomes seven fourteen, and you also gain plus one armor. So I think this is actually really cool, um, like the ability to get this on a few of the different character options and having them ride around in the the kind of toric units. I think it's quite a cool idea. So this would affect the overlord, the prophet of Shemu option, and the vizier. Yeah. So you're basically your your big killer general, your BSB, and one of the mage options. So you could theoretically have, you know, multiple units of Torque with different characters, and if you wanted, like, to go for a kind of a mounted uh, ID, which is a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, I think thematically it's cool because um, it gives the Torque more legs um, that compared to the, the previous book. From a gameplay perspective, I'm thinking this is ma- mainly going to be a wizard or a BSB upgrade. Um, simply because the the overlord, when you give it to him, it's it's quite expensive, um, and it's there's better if you wanted a cowboy or something like that. There's better things in the book that you can do that kind of stuff with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the certainly the the wizard upgrade is interesting because it allows you to kind of keep him a bit more mobile compared to what Infernal Dwarf players will have been used to previously. Yeah, and I, I guess it's another option. There's a one of the other wizard variants that we'll get to there's another kind of way of increasing mobility yeah. on them so that gives you another option which is cool and i guess as you say the overlord once we get to him like actually what you get for the base cost is a lot bananas so you don't i mean i, I don't know how much the upgrade is on him but yeah spending this on you don't really need it for him no but again it's, it's cool you get the choice it's probably worth flagging just now as well that um, you lose March and Shoot in this because basically everything that is a dwarf unit in this book has March and Shoot, which is massive. Yeah. But moving on, so we've got the attack attributes after that. So there, there's some quite substantial changes here. So the first one is called Cluster Munitions. So this is a shooting attribute. If the attacker scores one or more hits against any enemy unit, the next closest unengaged enemy unit within six inches of the original target immediately suffers D3 plus one hits with strength four AP1. If there are more than one eligible unit, that should be units, not unit, um, the active player chooses which is hit. 
these hits aren't affected by cost munitions, so it doesn't do like a domino effect. But um, yeah. this is essentially an upgrade for all the Infernal Dwarf war machines. So we'll get onto the war machines themselves in a second, but I think every single one has the option of three upgrades, and this is one of them. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the specific synergies when we get to the, the war machines themselves, but this is some quite cool and potentially very spicy implications for things like the flame uh, flamethrower and the thrower. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next one is uh, Ether Cloud, which again is a shooting attribute. Any pack tests the attack causes to enemy units through 25% casualties taken. Um, suffer minus one discipline. In addition, when the attack hits a unit containing one or more models with channel, the target's owner loses one veil token from their veil token pool. So this is essentially what the um, the the old what was it the, the Titan launcher? The, the Titan, Titan Mortal. Titan Mortal. That's what it is. So it had that rule before, um, but now it's just generally a war machine upgrade mm. uh, with the addition of the. Um, losing one veil token. What did you think? Yeah, that's that? cool. Yeah, it's cool because there was an item before that did the the veil token thing before, wasn't there? Yeah. So the the tablet of Ashrock, which was like just almost an all include, I think, super strong, um, which isn't here anymore. So it's one of the big casualties. Yeah, but the fact that you can get that multiple times on various different um, war machines. Is a nice yeah. um, kind of compromise, I guess, because it's taken from the the veil uh, token pool. It's not as good because there's no guarantee that you're going to get that. Um, I think mm-hmm. of, of the of the upgrades, this is probably what I thought was the weakest, um, and it's lost the Titan Water ability, where war machines within I think it was six or eight um, took a test and if they failed, they couldn't shoot or something like that. So it's lost that ability. Okay. Uh, but still quite cool. I mean, the the casualties, um, the casualty test at minus one discipline is still strong, especially for you know stuff that's operating outside of the bubble. Yeah, for sure. Um, the next attribute is Kadim Manifestation, which is uh, both a close combat and a shooting attribute. The attacks become flaming attacks and magical attacks. If the attacks become flaming from more than one source, including other instances of Kadim Manifestation, they also become divine attacks. Quite controversial, this one. Mm-hmm. Um, because it essentially allows Infernal Dwarves to get around what was the Fireborn rule, i.e. units with Aegis against Flamen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to think about this. I mean, it's it's divine, right? So it's least you still have the save, you're just re-rolling the save. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if it's a 2-up or 3-up, you've still got a 2-up or 3-up, you just have to roll twice. Yeah, so it's not crippling. It's not crippling. It's obviously, it's still good. Yeah. And potentially scary for like cowboys and shit that are relying on that. But um, yeah. yeah, a lot of people will like that and a lot of people will hate it. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes things like the Overlord even scarier because the Overlord can get this quite easily. Yeah, um, for sure. And it means that all you need is the Flaming Banner in the unit or, or you know, an equivalent kind of item, um, which again, you can get very easily, <laughs> which we'll get to. Um, and yeah. off the bat, your your guy, your overlord's got flaming and divine. Yeah, I think the the big thing as well is this rule factors into one of the special attacks. Yes, yeah. 
Um, so initially when I read this, when I was going through the book, I was trying to find instances where you can stack this rule with flaming. And I couldn't find all that many. But then you realize this actually forms part of another rule. You think, oh, this is actually in more places than you realize. Yeah, which again comes back to this this rule thing where there's a big emphasis in the project to get away from rule saturation and rules within rules. And then a lot of the stuff in this book, I think, is a step back from that pursuit. Cause yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that works with other special rules and rules within rules. And it's not particularly um, easy to get the gist of on your first reading. And I think that's where a lot of the kind of confusions come from. It really needs a kind of, you need to sit down, not on the Demon Legion level, but you still need to sit down and actually go through it and understand how these the rules synergize with one another. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the last attack attribute is Oil Skins. Um, so this, again, is a close combat and shooting attribute. Model parts with this rule may immediately before performing a melee attack set the strength of their attacks to 1 until the end of the round of combat or immediately before performing a shooting attack set their strength uh, to 1 and reduce the range of their shooting attacks by minus 6 inches until the end of the phase. If so, all model parts with oil skin in the unit must do so. If one or more of these attacks hit, the target gains one instance of incendiary after resolving these attacks. So, um... I mean, the old book had a similar mechanic where things like the flamethrowers could um, shoot the the flammable tokens. It works the same way, um, but this synergizes very well with things like the the, the vassals. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get onto where you can give them bows, and they can be you know your twenty man unit of vassals can be shooting targets to make them flammable, and then you hit them with the really hard hitting stuff like your flamethrowers, etc. Yeah, no, it's for the book making things flammable makes total sense i think the the, the good thing the way they've done it is they've tied it to another unit so you have to spend more points to get the benefit of this so it's not necessarily an inherent ability that your dwarves can do you have to bring something else to do it yeah so strategically if you were playing against it that gives you a very obvious target of i can clear that shit you can't rely on that mechanism which is a big blow for the dwarves, right? Because that's something that they're going to rely on. Because a lot of their units don't have super elite stats. They've got some that are very strong, but for the most part, they're kind of good, but not elite. Yeah. So depriving them of that benefit, I think, is quite big. So, yeah, I think that's quite cool. And, like, the idea of, like, little shitty, like, guys running around throwing, like, oil skins onto things to make it flammable, I think, is quite fun. Yeah, it, it makes sense, right? Um and it kind of hints that one of the big things about this book is that it's very synergistic. Like mm. you say, there's not a lot of units in it. Even things like the, the Kadim, who we'll get to, they're not... I don't think they're as scary as they were. Mm-hmm. And you have to build your list now with these synergies in mind. Which, I I mean, I think is quite cool, but um, it definitely... It's not like an outright buff. If anything, it's going to punish players a little bit because they have to be more considerate when they're writing their list and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to special attacks. So we have the Volcanic Embrace. So the mono part gains ground attacks X, where X corresponds to the value stated in brackets. Ground attacks are resolved at strength 4, AP 0. In addition, all attacks made by the model, including the special attacks, 
gain Kadim manifestation. So you're effectively getting the benefit of these now divine flaming magical attacks on things like your Kadim units. Yeah. Which is very cool, but potentially mental. This is a big upgrade from from uh, Vampiric Volcanic Embrace. I think anyway. The fact they go they go to grind and some of these units pump out a lot of grind. You get like three D three volcanic embrace units. Um yeah. so these grinds are happening in addition to the attacks you've got and they're happening at agility. And while they have any AP, just being strength four, like you're gonna mow through masses of unarmored infantry, stuff like uh Vermin Swarm, Vampires, Empire, those kind of armies, uh this is the potential just to melt massive units and there's a couple of other units and items and things like that that give you grind attacks and um, that can potentially benefit from some things like that so yeah and yeah. just the fact that they're flaming obviously that's a double-edged sword but you've got multiple ways in this book of causing your enemy to become flammable so these grind attacks are then be rolling to wound and because of strength four it doesn't take you know massive dice spikes for this to go horribly wrong for your opponent yeah Shit like your wraiths aren't going to like that. Things that have conditionally just yeah, saved yeah. stone magical attacks as well. I mean, I think the the Infernal Dwarves have somewhat become the anti-demons, vampires, and Sylvan Elves, if they weren't already. Because I think they were already strong against those matchups. Um, mm. They are now very, very strong against them. Um, so that's actually the only special attack. So moving on to the, the armory section. First yeah. up, we've got Infernal Armor. So this follows the rules for plate armor. It can be enchanted as if it was plate. The wearer also gains a six up Aegis against flaming and an Aegis plus one against flaming. So a lot of your dwarf units and the I think the Tauric units as well get Infernal Armor are running around with a five up Aegis against flaming. Makes sense. Yep. Um, it's kind of nice. It's kind of like the, the Wars of the Dark Gods equivalent where they get the Aegis save against Toxic. These guys are getting it against flaming. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's cool. totally fine. Um, probably worth noting here that a lot of the units that had heavy armor in the previous have now got infernal armor. So it's like your normal dwarf warriors, the infernal warriors, um, they've now got infernal armor rather than heavy armor. So there's been a, a across the book, there's been a bit of an upgrade there. Yeah, for sure, and that's big. Yeah, play armor and core troops is super insane. strong. Yeah. Um. um yeah. Blunderbuss next. Oof. The blunderbuss. So this is yet again going through a massive change. Um, it's probably one of the most problematic weapons in the game for the design team. That I don't know how many iterations this has gone through. Um, so the blunderbuss is obviously a shooting weapon. Uh, you're capped to zero to sixty rank and file models with flintlock or blunderbuss. It's range eighteen now. Shots one, strength three, AP one, but it has an area attack of two by one. It's quick to fire and fail to hit rolls of 1 when shooting at short range must be re-rolled. Yeah, so I, I guess the area attack thing is just to help to double down on the fact that these should be used against box. Yeah. So it's less good at... You're not getting the default two hits against single models that you were getting before. Yeah, I... Th <sighs> this is very meh for me. I don't know about you. Um, obviously, the increase in range is massive. Um, and it, I mean, you were a fan of these before, right? Because I remember you played against oh. Infernal Swords and they shot off one of your units in one go and you were like, why is no one using these? 
they're they're brutal. I mean, they were a bit of a one trick pony in mm. that you you had to basically just march up in front of something and shoot it. And if you didn't do enough, you were going to get smashed because it was on the um, the Infernal Warriors. They were the only ones that could take it. So I guess this one gives them a little bit more flexibility because it's longer range. Um, yeah. Strength 3, though. Strength, I mean, AP 1's good. I mean, they were strength 5, right? Yeah, strength 5, AP 0. So that's a massive change. Um, I don't know about you, I hate this area attack. Like, what? Just give them two shots. It's needless complexity. Which again goes against what they were trying to do in previous editions. Yeah, I, get, I think I get the rationale behind it, but it does make it more complicated. Yeah, and they're meant. To, I mean, they're shotguns, right? So a shotgun's just as effective against one person as it is against a group. Yeah, I think. I mean, I guess an alternative would be just give them more shots by default, but make their aim score worse. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I think these are very meh, and when we get to core, I. I I'm struggling to see how they're going to make an impact. Well, I mean, there's a couple of new options in core as well, which I think yeah. also detract from the blunderbuss. So I don't know how attractive that's going to be compared to some of the other options. Yeah. The re-rolling ones at short ranges, but it's nine inches at that point. You know, like if you're marching up that close to shooting something, you're going to, you know, you're, you're probably going to get charged next turn anyway. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's aim score four, right, on the Infernal Warriors. It's aim four, yeah. Yeah, so the blood lock is better, but the blood, yeah, it's still four, which is good. Yeah, I think uh, just meh. I don't think these are as good as the previous iteration. Mm. Um, um, so so yeah. Next up, Flintlock, Yeah. Yep. So, um, eighteen inch range as well. It's one shot, strength four, AP two. Um, counts as close combat weapon with two handed in close combat. Close combat attacks made with a game plus one strength can be injured um, like a close combat weapon, but only the close combat attacks are affected by the enchantment. Um, so, so it's basically the same, but you can enchant them. Yeah, but you're only strength five. Um, you don't get the plus AP in combat. You only get plus one strength in combat. Yeah. I mean, Which is still good. Yeah, Flintlocks are still good. good, yeah. And because of the, the upgrades that everything's got March and Shoot and the unit later on, which we'll come to, um, I think these are, are better now. Yeah, the fact that they also come with a better aim score on the on the same trip yeah. just makes them probably more attractive. Yeah. So thumbs up for the Flintlocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up we've got the Nafa Throwers. Um, so they've nicked them off the vermin. Uh, this just seems to be a byword now for the flamethrowers. Mm-hmm. Um, artillery weapons, you can have 0 to 2 per army. Um, it's a flamethrower, range 18, shots 1, strength 4, strength 5 at close, AP 1, AP 2 at close, flaming attacks, and it does D3 wounds uh, on that big close range. Pretty good. Very good. Um, again, because it's I mean, it's flaming by default. So the fact that you can upgrade that to have the Candide Manifestation as well. Potentially having Divine on that is very strong. That absolutely fucks demons. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, flamethrowers are already strong in the game. This this should be the one book that uses flamethrowers well, I guess. Um, 
range 18 is a boost on what they had before, I think these are very good. Yeah, I know I like that option. I think it's good. So what's it compete um, against? We've also got <laughs> rocket batteries. Classic. <laughs> which are very good. So these are range 24, 0-2 models per army. Four shots at strength 6, AP 3. Do multiple one multiple wins C3 with clip wings. Um, they also have the, when rolling to hit, if two or more dice roll and that one, the weapon misfires for each one rolled after the second roll on the misfire table, suffering minus two modifier. So that effectively um, pushes you more towards that just taking a wound, the lower values on the misfire table. Yeah, so they're obviously comparable to the Empire Rockets, um, but they're strength six instead of strength five. And they misfire worse if they roll more than one, mm. one, but they don't take any wounds. So more volatile, but better damage output. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Can't really complain with that. Yeah, range 24, but again, there's a thing later on which can boost that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, these are... And then the last one is the Titan Mortar, which is a catapult 4x4, four four. again, two models per army. Range minimum is six, max is thirty inches. You get one shot, big hits at strength seven, uh, the rest are strength four, AP four under the hole or AP one otherwise, and these do multiple wounds D three again with clip wings. Yeah. I mean this is the same as what it was before. Yeah. Um but it's got a bit more flexibility now because you can take it as a, a gunnery team option as well as one of the, the big war machines. Yeah. And then you've got the other attack attributes that you can assign to this as well. Yeah. So maybe something like the Ether Cloud on this would be good for going after blocks. Yeah. Can't get manic. Yeah. Which is what I had and before, right? Um, and I worked out that it's, it's actually 50 points cheaper now for that. I mean, obviously, you're, you're losing the War Machine thing, but um, still, <laughs> I mean, 50 points yeah. cheaper is nothing to squint your nose at. And then the last piece of equipment in the armory is the Infernal Weapon. Yeah. Which follows the rules for Halberds, um, but it loses two-handed. So it's basically plus one strength, plus one AP, and a weapon. Yeah. Um, so the big thing... magical attacks, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, that's true, actually. I, I didn't, didn't clock that. Um, but I guess the big, big thing in comparison between this book and the last book is that um, it no longer counts as a hand weapon, so you don't automatically get parry. Mm. So if you listen really, really carefully, you can hear the Infernal Dwarf players scream, <laughs> Oh no, our immortals have lost parry! Fear not, Infernal Dwarf. <laughs> the immortals remain one of the most bullshit units in the game. Yeah, they're fucking bananas. But yeah, no, that's that's good. Again, you can take the Infernal Weapon on the, the Toruk units as well, which is really good for them. Yeah. Um, Can't so enchant yeah. them, but... I mean, still pretty, pretty decent, especially in your ranking fifth. Yeah, for sure. I really like them. I miss having these in the warrior book. They're just cool, right? They're just cool. Yeah. Like them. Okay. Right. So hereditary time. You've somehow managed to wrangle out of explaining the uh, hereditary because we were taking it one by one. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> did you like how I did that? We were talking before we recorded, and we were like, right, we'll take it like one by one, and we'll go through it all. That's uh, right. fine. I'll do the hereditary. I don't give a shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the hereditary, the hereditary yeah. spell is called Fury of Nezab Kesh. It's, a, it's a, a ground spell, 96 inches, cast on a measly 7 plus that is permanent. And to cut a long story short, it's effectively Wrath of God. 
uh, except that um, so the mechanics are the same. You're basically uh, casting it on the ground. You're then rolling a d6 at the end of each magic phase. On a roll of 1 to 3, you add another counter. On a roll of 4 to 6, each unit within 2d6 plus x, where x equals to the number of counters, must take a dangerous terrain check of 1. However, if any models that would suffer the dangerous terrain check are also flammable, they take DT tests too. So the fact that you can make multiple things flammable relatively easy is bananas. Yeah. And the casting value of this is really low as well. Yeah. I guess it's it's the hunting for ones and twos, right? And it's only really good against blocks, but Yeah, it's certainly different from Wrath of God, whereas like it's strength five, strength six. And so you can be more reliably doing more wins to tougher targets. I think this against kind of a lot of rank and file lists is potentially worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, it's, I mean, like, the, I guess the idea is that you're kind of causing like an earthquake or something like that. So like thematically, it's, it's quite cool. It ties in with the book. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, it's different enough from Wrath of God. Like I say, I think it'll do slightly different things, but it's just, you know, you could do easily two dice that. Yeah, the casting value is insane. Yeah, insane. like, do you just let that go and think, fuck it, I don't really care, but then you've got to take fucking DPs everywhere? <laughs> like, I guess it depends, right? Like, if you're against, like, a fast mobile list, you don't give a shit, because you're not going to be there where the, where the token is, really. You can just move out of the way, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Again, I don't know if it's like, bad, but it's it's good. It's yeah. certainly good. It's like the force multiplier again against horde armies, yeah. which is fine because obviously they want ID to be almost a specialist anti horde. Um, because things like vermin again, vampires, empire, like this is potentially very very bad. Hmm. Um, even stuff like Equitane, um, if they've got a line of lances setting up charges, you drop that in front of them. It puts a lot of pressure on them, especially if you're flammable. So, I mean, the, the flammable thing is, I, I guess, somewhat difficult. Um, no, because I mean, oil skins doesn't disappear, does it? No, you've got it. So you can make so with the oil skins, if you make a successful hit, you're just flammable until you suffer a fling attack. That's so pretty, yeah, it's pretty nice then. Yeah. So if you've got multiple units, like. Vassal, even like, so what, there's another unit called the Vassal Slingshot that we'll get to that effectively does the same thing. Like, you can quite easily have two or three units that are now flammable. Yeah. So it's potentially very strong. It's cool. It's cool. I think as time goes on, I think this is something in the book that will potentially change, not necessarily from a design point of view, but the, the, the casting value, I think. Yeah. Obviously, because there's no point cost associated with this, I think that's going to be the thing that'll change. Because, yeah. um, I mean, Wrath of God's cast on a 12+. plus. Yeah. This is a 7. I mean, it's, this is nowhere near as good as Wrath of God. But, it's probably more situational. Yeah, it's more matchup dependent. But, I mean, I, yeah, it's hard to see how, how good this is going to be in the long run. I think we're going to need to see this on tables um, hmm. and see how it pans out. But, I think again, again against certain armies, this is going to be an auto stop the same way that Wrath of God already is for those armies. Yeah, 
like I, I like the idea behind this. I think it's cool. Yeah, thank but fuck. I, I, they can't take thaumaturgy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, so you that, but there's a unit in the book. Oh, no, I'm only kidding on. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bent. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's us on to special items. Yeah, so let's start with the, the weapon enchantments. So yep. uh, the first one is the Onyx Core. Um, so this is a specialized enchantment for an infernal weapon. Um, it, the attacks with this weapon gain Kadim Manifestation and multiple wounds D3 against flammable. Sixty-five points. Sixty-five points. Um, yeah. I mean, it's basically the same as what it was, uh, but I think it's better because there's better synergies with the Kadim manifestations and getting flame and inflammable within the book. Well, before this gave you plus two strength as well, but it was like twice the cost. True. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I think I think this is why it's a lot cheaper because it's conditional against things that are flammable. Now there is an item that you can put on the character that has this that will automatically make them flammable. I think. Um, so you can basically like invest the points and ensure that you're getting that D3 wounds but and actually, I think that's why it's cheaper because it, for one again it's infernal weapon specific it's not just hand weapon or um, flintlock you can't take it on any other weapon except an infernal weapon but that's it right so the old one gave you plus 2 strength plus 2 AP right but it was a, a hand weapon right and the Overlord was strength four. Yeah. So yeah, so he's lost one Pippa strength. So you're now strength five with it. Yeah. But still, you're. You, I mean, if you get the flammable I mean, up, you're you're rerolling wounds exactly. And then yeah. now you're doing D three wounds. So again, it's. It, I think it's still very good, but I guess being the initial release, the points are going to change a lot. So that might go up. Yeah. Okay. And then thumbs up for the that. next. Yeah, I think that's still good. I think that's a good item. Um, I think the fact that it is situational but not that expensive for your kind of default big weapon of the army book, I think is a good compromise. It scares the shit out of characters, right? Because you can get Divine on them as well. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, fuck. Like, yeah. Obviously, things like <laughs> Chosen Lords and uh, Vampires and things like, nah, I don't really fancy. It's just because it takes the spike, right? You get the spike and you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Things like, you know, a lot of builds rely on things like death cheater just for the for the easy special save you just that just that's out the window now yeah um so the next item is called triple speed which is a lock axe enchantment uh this so the weapon shots are set to a value of three and the, the wielder also gains plus three attack while using that weapon close combat attacks and shoot attacks with this weapon can never hit on worse than a three up I really like this um, on an Overlord because, well, you'll see when we get to the Overlord, he's got a couple of rules that doesn't make this bananas. Yeah, so he's got, he would have seven strength five attacks. With hatred. With hatred. Can't hit on worse than a three up. Uh, pretty, pretty tasty. I mean, he's, and, al he's already offensive seven, so it's very rare that he's going to be hitting on worse than that, but yeah, things like distractions cuts yeah. through that. So... And then when he wants to shoot, he's still hitting on threes. Yeah. And Tri um, triple speed, horrible shit name. name. Shit name. First shit name. There are many, but this. Is <laughs> like again, people will be aware when the leaks happened. There were a few names that people were made aware of that I think were placeholder names that have now gone. Thankfully, that are not in the book anymore. Um, triple speed should have gone. <laughs> should have gone. To me, this is like you're just naming what it does. 
it's like it's, it's like calling like a, a you know a handgun a boom boom or like a spear a pointy stick it's yeah. like it's it, I, I don't get that it's too shit basically yeah. um moving on <laughs> swiftly on <laughs> Flame uh, of the East. This is a sexy from? one, yeah. So this is 55 points. Uh, just a gen- generic close combat weapon. The wielder gains Volcanic Embrace 2d3. If it already had Volcanic Embrace, increase the X value by 2d3 instead. These 2d3 grind attacks are resolved even if the model performed impact hits during the same round of combat. Yeah, so there's a, a character option that has a mount option, that this just becomes like, why wouldn't you just put that on it? Incredible. Incredible. In fact, there's a couple. Yeah. I mean, just having 2d3 grinds, um, and it's, I mean, 55 points is still pretty cheap, especially since everything's already got plate armor, so you can get a decent save. So things like BSBs could take this. Um, They're not as good as, obviously, the Dwarf Lightning Runes, because they're broken as fuck, but (laughs) still pretty decent. Um, yeah. And it synergizes well with other stuff, uh, which we'll come on to in a second. Flame of the East, better name. Again, strong Lord of the Rings connotations there. Uh, yeah, I don't understand that. Why? Call I it? mean, it, I guess it's like, because it was like, it was Flame of the West, right? Yeah. So, so that, this that's is like, Aragorn Sword, that's Narsal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a nod to that. Again, it's like the whole Fires of Industry thing. <laughs> that's lazy I, I don't know. Shit. I, I guess, I don't know, it's kind of like hard to get away from Tolkien though, right? I mean, it's easier if you don't call it Flame of the East. <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> this is also very true. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a better name than Triple Speed. I'm still putting in the shit category. I'm still... <laughs> Thumbs down for me. Thumbs up for gameplay. Thumbs down for me. <laughs> okay, doke. Right, moving on. Yeah, armor enchantments. Uh, armor enchantments. So that's good. You've got three quite good weapon enchantments yes. off the bat. Yeah. None of them are that expensive, so I think we're already off the okay, winner. Okay, so thumbs up on weapons. Uh, armor enchantments. First one is called Mask of Ages. This is a suit of armor enchantment. The bearer's model gains Whispers of the Mask, which is a special rule tied to the immortal. Uh, what Whispers of the Mask or yeah. Mask of Ages? Whis- whispers of the Mask. Bad name. Okay, that's got in the bad name category. Apparently, I'm kind of indifferent. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, the bearer's model is eh, sorry. If the bearer's model is infantry, you also gain plus one armor. So, to put that into context, uh, Whispers of the Mask, let me just fly down to... So this is the Immortal Special Rule. Yeah. So, basically, the model can never be wounded better than on a 4-up, which is bananas. What? That was on a rank-and-file unit that can have 30 models. Incredible. As a 3-up armor save and parry. Has parry as a model. Has, has parry inbuilt. <laughs> <laughs> so you can take your infernal weapon and you're not losing. Fuck parry. the infernal weapon, take the great weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. Anyway, back to the. Um, the Mask of Ages. The Mask of Ages. So that's 60 points. So you're getting plus one armor and you can't be wounded on better than a four. Yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty competitive with because there's other items in the game that do this so there's the night crown for vampires and then there's the yeti furs with um uh, ogres where both of them basically Mammoth Hide Tusk. Uh, Mammoth yeah, so, sorry yeah oh, sorry yeah. sorry yeah yeah um but it basically mean that you're never going to be wounded on better than a four 
I mean, the mammoth height is a five. Because uh, you're saying five, right? Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. You, yeah, you, yeah, you can never be... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a four. Yeah, because yeah. you're five. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, it's very good. So, the, I mean, the Yeti... Sorry, I keep calling it Yeti. Uh, the cloak, that's like 50 points, right? Yeah, something like that. The Night Crown's 55. Um, but you're obviously not getting the plus one armor. So, in terms of points value, this is about right in the field. I would say. Yeah. Very good item. I like this. Uh, next one, I I prefer, personally. I think it's cooler. Yeah, I think this synergizes more. So this is Blaze of Protection. So this is infantry models only, and it's a shield enchantment. Um, where are we on the name stance? Happy so far? Uh, very vanilla. Okay, so you're not impressed, but it's not in the shit category. Then, no, right? I'll let that one slide. Okay, we're letting this slide, okay. So while using the shield, the bear gains plus one armor and fearless. Plus one armor is always nice. You're getting such plus two with the shield, which is good. Every enemy model in base contact with the bearer that could allocate one attack or more um, in close combat towards, but doesn't, after resolving a close combat attack, suffers one hit at strength four AP zero flaming attacks, which are distributed onto the model's health pool. This is considered a special attack. So basically, you're getting punished for not attacking this guy and attacking the rank and file around him. Yep. Which is very cool. It's kind of um, Liger's tongue influenced, I guess. Yeah, it's like um, the the team one as well, right? It used mm. to be the oh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically if if you didn't hit him and you hit the unit, or you had to hit him, it's that kind of same mechanic. Yeah. Um, synergizes very well with Flame of the East. Mm. So both of them are 95 points, so that's BSB build category. Um, and it just means that on top of your Volcanic Embrace, you're getting those, um, you're getting like 3 strength 4 as well. Mm -hmm. Quite cool. Div that are divine as well, in case it's, you know, Equitain or Dwarves. Yeah. I mean, against Equitain and things like that. I mean, the armor, the armor piercing's the big issue for, for, uh, for Volcanic. Um, but still. It's just the amount of strength four hits these guys can, or auto hits that these guys can pump out. Yeah, it's very nice. Makes my ghouls grab their penises. Um, <laughs> and not in a good way. Not in a good way. <laughs> uh, and then the last armor enchantment we've got is Kadeem Binding. Yeah. So this cannot be taken with models with Towering Presence. It's another shield enchantment, so we are now competing with Blaze. Um, the Bearer's model. Sorry, the bearer's weapons lose two-handed if they had it while using the shield. The bearer gains ages plus one against flaming for a maximum of two plus and gets parry. Very good. Mm -hmm. 30 points. Very yeah, competitive. Means you can take your um, great weapons but still get parry. Or your flint lock. Or your flint lock. Uh, yeah, I think it fits well with the other options so like things like the triple speed which is 60 points there you still get uh, you're still getting that in again on things like bsbs mm -hmm. um yeah i like it yeah okay so thumbs up for armor enchantments uh yes cool. questionable names but <laughs> okay um so moving on to questionable names i will take i'll let you kick off banner enchantments oh fuck right okay um <laughs> i think this is the best item infernal dwarves have though um, you think this is the best thing? Like, is this is this uh, grounds for 
you know, best things in the book overall, or just items? Strong like this is this is uh, buttered bread territory. Right. Okay. So this is the pride of Zalman Tekesh. Tekesh. Okay. I heard somewhere in the forums people calling this the pride of Takeshi's Claw. Oh my god. <laughs> like once you hear it, I think it's kind of hard not to hear it. I yeah. don't mind the name. I don't mind the name because it ties in a lot with the fluff and some of the other things in the book and just the general sound of it and the kind of like theme they're going for. I think it's quite cool. But unfortunately, it's me of Takeshi's Castle. That's just how it goes. They should have cut out the Zalaman. It should just be Pride of Tekash. That'd be cooler. Mm. Although still Takeshi's Castle. I mean, Takeshi's Castle, that's exactly what people call I mean, it does... Ex- yeah, this is going to be the, the banner of the castle. Okay, so it's 50 points. Um, it cannot be taken by units that count towards core. Thank fuck. Um, one use only may be activated at the end of a friendly movement phase. Place an 8 by one inch wall on the battlefield with the following conditions and restrictions. One of the wall's long edges be aligned and in contact with the front facing of the bearer's unit. The centre of the wall's long edge must be in contact with the centre of the front facing of the bearer's unit. The wall cannot be placed within one inch of any other unit or any other terrain feature except open terrain. If the wall cannot be placed in a legal position, the banner enchantment cannot be activated. I wonder if they had to add that except open terrain feature after playtesting. Yeah, that's, that's a Martin thing, right? Well, technically, you're an open tree, so you can't place it. <laughs> yeah, so your your um, parry trips are now fucking distracting. As distracting, well. yeah. So you can't take it on core units, but like <laughs> your immortals that can't be wounded on a better Holy than a four up fives. <laughs> Insane, the immortals. What you need is you need a an ID mirror match where you have another unit in the book that can destroy walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is basically for the Immortals, right? It's super strong. Uh, I guess the only thing that might stop Immortals taking it is that they just want to take Flaming Banners. Potentially, but there's another thing in the book that you, that is going to be pumping out Flaming Yeah, that we'll get to. Yeah. So I think... I mean, you know, giving any unit hard target and distracting or distracting in hard cover is really fucking good yeah. and it's 50 points it's not that expensive no I mean just the ability to say something like hold the centre which Infernal Dwarves <laughs> are going to be already very good at you march yeah. your Infernal uh, sorry Immortal Brick onto the objective you drop a wall and just like fuck you I guess they drop the wall and you drop a deuce <laughs> <laughs> oh I mean, oh yeah, it's super strong. It's fucking good, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I like yeah. it a lot. It's, okay. I mean, I like the fact that you can just activate it as well. So you couldn't activate it if you were already in combat. Yeah. Which is good, because that shouldn't be a thing. But um, you can kind of manoeuvre your your unit into a strategically, you know, dominating position on the, the board and then drop the wall. And it just means that they're going to be so hard to shift mm. if they weren't already. Does that mean you can't, you can't drop it if your unit is on top of a hill? Uh, no, you can do that because it would be in contact no. with the yeah. It's really only usable when you're in open terrain. No, I mean, I guess you could angle it so that you're more than half on the hill, but you were more than an yeah. inch away, so you can get it that way. But Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's basically just to bully objectives, right? So Yeah. I think it's cool. I think thematically it kind of ties in with the whole idea that they're going for, like, they're a super industrious, really good at building yeah. race type thing. So. Okay. So a thumbs up on name and gameplay. 
Oh, is the name Gas as well? Uh, I kind of like it, yeah. I mean, Takeshi's Castle is obviously going to be... Oh, it's just going to be known as that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the name. I, I think the name is fine, but it, it does sound like Takeshi's Castle. I'm going to let it go. Takeshi's okay. Castle is an incredible show. It's getting past. I wonder if people will do that, like, modelling-wise. Please. If they'll be like, right, I'm going to build a special wall and I'm going to make it look like something from Takeshi's Castle. Well, I know for a fact that Jordan Bladen will be listening to this. Um, and when he inevitably makes his something like his fifth or fourth Inferno Dwarf Army, um, you need to do that, Jordan. Oh, you need like a little mini inflatable wall. <gasps> oh. That would be good. That would be good. Do that. Do Jordan. Do it, Jordan. Okay. Do it. Um, okay. Next, next up. Trial of Asherok. So these are two per army. They're only 30 points. So they're a lot cheaper. Bearer's unit and any unit in base contact with the bearer unit gains magic resistance too. That is also applied to friendly spells. This magic resistance value cannot be increased. I think this is really fucking good. I wrote meh in my notes. Well, if, you're, if you put that on your unit and you go into combat, it means that on the next turn, if you're still in combat, the enemy wizard is going to be that much harder to buff their own unit that's in combat. It means you can't really... It stops you buffing yours, though, as well. Yeah, but if it's like your fucking immortal unit, you don't give a fuck, because they're not going to be doing <laughs> shit to you anyway. Yeah. So again, this this is really for the immortals, right? I can't really think of other unit that or another unit. That... I mean, it's base, it's base magic res 2, so... I know it, it does kind of cuck you when you get into combat if you think your unit's going to be reliant on buffs, but some of the units, I think, are good enough that if they get into the right kind of combat, they should be fine. Mm. The, the army's so good at magic, mm. as we'll find out. Um, I don't know. This might be a decent one, like Torok Anointed as well. Because yeah. they're fucking off on the flanks. Exactly, yeah. Stuff that's they've always good, fighting. Yeah, they've got good stats. So, with you know spells that you want to use to like chip them, it's going to be that much harder. Yeah. So it's interesting. Okay. It ties into the whole anti. Yeah. So th- there's a question. Do you think this would have been better served in like the Warpenholds book rather than ID? Uh, yeah. And but the questions we've got at the end is: Does this encro- does this book encroach too much into Dwarvenholds territory? Um, there's always going to be it's like um, Empire and Equity, and there's always going to be a, a degree of overlap. Yeah, um, and it's hard to get away from that because they are essentially the same, you know, race. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I just think it's very meh. Um, the infernal dwarves are meant to be the magical dwarves, so if anything, they should be getting something that boosts their magical output rather than yeah, just like a channel banner or something. Instead. Yeah, just something like that, or make the tablet a banner, like it was. Not that I mean the, the tablet was amazing, but. Yeah, I, just I mean, think... like, um, I guess this is something that might change. Yeah, like, um, yeah. some of the warrior banners changed. Um, I guess if it's not getting used, people, you know, it's thirty points, so it's cheap enough to be used, but people just aren't using it. I think it's likely to get redesigned. Yeah. Okay. Um, artifacts. Cool. So first uh, up, first up, we have the breath of the brass bull, which is seventy points. Uh, cannot be taken by models with Tower and Presence, so that's like your uh, Bull Riders. Um, rather ironically, given the name. The Bearer's model gains plus one health point and gains Breath Attack Toxic Attacks. Thumbs up for the name. Mm. 
you know what a brass uh, bull is? Um, a brass bull? Yeah. It's a torture device. Is this the thing that you see in the mortals? The movie, that shit movie that had... Oh, yeah, I think it Henry is. I think, I think they do have it in that. Yeah, it's like you put people in it and you put it over a fire. Yes. And it heats up and obviously it's horrific. Yes. Brass bullets. Yeah, yeah. All oh, right. So cool. I mean, yeah. that's horrendous. That's actually yeah. horrendous. But, yeah, it ties in with the book. <laughs> so, Morally questionable. Up. Thumbs up for the name, though. <laughs> um, 70 points for plus one health point. It's expensive. I mean, plus one health point is good. Breath attack is about meh. 70 points, yeah, I'd say that's... Because, like, the... Um, what is it the Saurian Ancients have? Uh, they've got like the the upgrade that gives plus one health point, but it does something oh, else. Oh, the Taurosaur thing. Taurosaur's vigor. Yeah, something like that. I think that's better. Yeah, I think this is too expensive. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, but pretty simple. Okay. Um, you want to do the next one? Uh, uh, yeah. So we've got the Tablet of Vizodin-ish. Vizodin-ish. Yeah, this is, this is why I asked you to do this because fuck knows how you pronounce it. <laughs> It's dominant wizardy. Uh, when the bearer attempts to cast an unbound spell using three or more mad dice, treat a single roll of a one as a three. If the bearer would suffer witch fire, miscast effect, treat it as magical inferno instead. It's a lot more thematic than the um, the trial of Asherok, right? Because this, this ties more into the fact that they should be more magical focused. Yeah, I think this is good. I mean, I'd, maybe 65 points? Is it too expensive? I don't know. Um... It has the potential I mean, to be very, very strong. Treating like ones as threes is pretty cool. Um, interestingly, magical inferno isn't flaming, so that you're you're not going to be getting your ages saving against yeah. this. So it, you know what is it? and it's AP two. So on your caster, depending on what upgrade you've got, you've only got your armor save. Yeah. So. Potentially dicey. But it's interesting. I do like that item. It's a little bit more risk-reward, which I think people generally would say that there's not a lot of that in the game generally anyway. So it's kind of cool to see that and you know, the, the kind of army book-specific items a little bit more. I mean, you're really three dice and stuff with this, aren't you? I mean, I guess we'll get to the lords and stuff that you know, you've know you got access to. Like, a lot of them aren't that expensive. Yeah. Cast spells. So, yeah. Basically. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is another one that will need gameplay. Um, I think it will be good, but I don't know how actually effective it will be on the table. Okay. Happy with the name, despite not being able to pronounce. Uh, yeah. Cool. We'll let him get away with that one as well. Awesome. Uh, next there's, one. There's more pressing battles to fight later on. <laughs> yeah, that's not the hell you want to die on, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we've got the Ring of Desiccation. So at the start of every round of combat, every enemy unit in base contact with the bearer's model gains one instance of incendiary. So you stick that on your overlord that's got fucking onyx core, and now they're you know guaranteed to be flammable. So you're getting your D three wins. So that I mean this this was an item in the previous uh, edition. Um, yeah, strong. It's in it as well with the other stuff. Um, it's is uh, probably about right. It's expensive, but it gives you a lot. I mean, that combined with Onyx Core is 125 points. That's the exact same price as the old Onyx Core. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. 
so worth it, I think. Yeah. And if you give the Immortals something like that, if you put him in the Immortals and you give the Immortals a Flaming Banner, then the Immortals are getting re-rolled to wound. Yeah, that's not nice. Um, yeah, this is this is strong. Strong, strong, strong. They're, they're parry great weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Infernal Dwarves is going to be about avoiding Immortals. Yeah, fuck that unit. And trying not to get shot off. Uh, okay, okay, so that's good. 60 points. 60 that's points. Win. Very good. Thumbs up. Um, next item, uh, I'm going to go out and say you don't like the name. Shit name. Okay, this item is called Unflame. Again, it sounds like... You know, like, if you're watching uh, Fantastic Four and Johnny Storm is learning how to his powers and yes. you know how to turn on and off... <laughs> That sounds Unflame, like what he yeah. would try and say. Yeah. Uh, so it's one use only. Uh, maybe activated at the start of any round of combat. A single enemy unit in base contact with the bearer suffers minus three agility. So that's very good. And all attacks against any unit lose flaming attacks. The effect lasts until the start of the next player turn. That's 55 points. So when your immortal block gets with flaming attacks, get hit by a bunch of Feldrax, you pop this on and say, fuck you, Feldrax. <laughs> yeah. We've lost our flaming now. Yeah. I guess it's it's in there for those kind of units, right? Like um, Dragon Princes or whatever the fuck they're called. Um, Feldrax, you know, things that come with an inbuilt Age of Save Against Flaming. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice because you would expect like the kind of flaming attack army to have something like that. It's only one use. I don't think it's that bent. Minus you three know. agility is big. Yeah, it's very good. Um, but very good for your opponent. But I mean, if you're wielding great weapons on your immortal block, you know, <laughs> you're probably not going to be going first anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, uh, maybe the cost is an issue. Fifty-five. Are you going to spend fifty-five points on that? Mm, yeah, that might go down. I, I think if it goes down, I don't think it'll go down massively. Mm. I think you still need to make that substantial enough to make it a decision or a compromise on the build character. Yeah. I think we can't afford to make that too cheap because then it just becomes auto-include. And agility is massive in the game. Being able to hit first um, does win combats a lot of the time. So yeah, maybe that will be popular. Although, as we'll see in a second, um, the Infernal Dwarves have access to Witch so Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll leave that in meh. Shit yeah. name, though. Shit, it, it, name. shit name, interesting name. Okay. Uh, next up is the Golden Idol of Shemut. 45 points. The bearer always has at least advance rate 4, march rate 12. In addition, the bearer can cast Glory of Gold as a bound spell, power level 4, 8. Pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Cool item, good name. 45 points, very decent to get flame. Another in. way, yeah, another way to get flame in, another way to EP1, which. Yeah, dwarves should be good at dealing with armor. Um, it's only a bound spell, so got to be used tactically. Forty-five points, decent. Yeah. Yep. Like like. Uh, next up is Luger's dice. This is a forty-point item. A single part of the bearer's model can reroll a single to hit, to wound, or armor save roll per player turn. This is really fucking good. Yep. Yep. I would take this on my overlord. With the um, what you call it, or any overlord really, just you know that time you feel like your one up armor save or to hit or to win that matters, especially if you're doing D three wins like that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean it's much better than its previous iteration. 
because uh, it was one of the items that's carried over. Substantially cheaper, um, and it was included now. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was uh, natural to wound rolls of one, wasn't it? Natural to hit and to wound rolls of one. Yeah. Now it's just a failed to hit. So it's definitely better. And it's almost half the price. Yeah. Yep. Big like, 40 points, very strong. It's, you can definitely see this slipping into Overlord builds and things like that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, next up. Last up is the Gauntlets of Madzab. Infantry models only. The bearer gains plus one strength, plus one armor penetration. Each of its close combat attacks with a natural to hit one, the natural to hit roll of one, attributed onto the bearer's unit. These units can only be distributed onto the bearer's model if it is a single model unit. Twenty-five points. So again, if you wanted to take the Overlord build with the Onyx core and the the Ring of Desiccation, you could bring this as well, and now you're strength six. Yeah. And again, it's it's less scary in something like an immortal unit where you can't win them on better than a four. Yeah. Meh. 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 Okay, so what do you think overall of the special items? Because that's us. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot here, right? Um, mm. There's loads of different synergies. Um, and I mean, we've, we've only had this for a couple of days. I'm just talking through them. You can start to see the kind of bit are going to come out of this. Um maybe one or two that are a bit meh, but over, on the whole, I think they're all useful, competitive. Yeah. Pricing seems about right, although there's obviously going to be tweaks up and down. Yeah, there's nothing outrageously expensive here. So I think it's more the kind of the intermediate items that will just go up and down by maybe 15, 20 points max, if that. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're fine for the most part. Biggest yeah. issue just seems to be some of the names are cack. Um, so moving on. Okay, right. So this is it now. We're into the the book proper. The army organization has changed. Yes. So it's gone from six categories to four categories. So we've got characters forty percent, core twenty five percent, no limit to special, and then there's the instruments of destruction category, which include things like your griblies. So the the giants and the titans are in here as well as like the Infernal Engine and the new War Platform option. Yep. It doesn't include artillery. Or baby Kadim. Or baby Kadims. So the Kadims have been split up. Um, but they've balanced out the artillery um, restrictions with this fire industry. The fires of industry rule. Yeah, you can still get a lot of shooting in an infernal door. Oh yeah, list, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like you can you can run a gun line if you want, but um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely better. It's simplified. Yeah, and it's it's not restrictive in the way that you know it's like the Sylvan Elf book are. I think it makes sense the way they've done it. Yeah, I've got um, shoes. Yeah. Okay. Right. So kicking off with characters. Um, mm -hmm. We've got the big delf. So characters are max 40%. And we have the Overlord coming in at 270 points. Um, he is 0 per 1 per army, and for fucking good reason. Um, he is a beast of a man, because he's still standard infantry. Whereas I said beast when I was about to say standard infantry. He's very much standard infantry, but he is a beast uh, yeah. in terms of stats. So, unsurprisingly, he's advanced 3, march 9, uh, he's disciplined 10, uh, 3 health points, defensive, defensive 7, res 5, strength 4, uh, AP 1 base, agility 4, 4 attacks. 
Um, but where he really comes to life are his special rules. So he's got the Infernal Brand rule, which basically all the dwarves have. Um, and he's got a special rule called Keys to the Citadel. Um, and this is fucking bananas. So Keys to the Citadel allows you to, during step seven of the pre-game sequence, which is spell selection, the model may gain one of the following for free. A flintlock axe with an aim score of two, a great weapon, an infernal weapon, or paired weapons. In addition, the owner may choose a single weapon enchantment from the Archangendium or this army book, let that sink in, for any of the model's weapons for free. This weapon enchantment does not count towards the model's special item allowance. Fucking mental. Incredible. Really fucking good. So the, the other thing to point out is you've obviously got an armor base, because why wouldn't you? But he comes with hatred. So, yeah, so he's got the Infernal Army, he's got Hatred, and like all the other dwarves, he's got March and Shoot. Yeah. Um, and he's getting the Keys to the Citadel rule on top of the fact that he's got 175 points special items allowance. Yeah. Um, he can take the Torok ritual, which makes him one of the the, the baby Toroks. He can take a shield for five points. Sorry, the Torok ritual is 150 points, so it's, it's pricey. That is pricey. Um you can only take that on foot, so you can't do janky shit by making him a torrent, put him on a bull, things like that. Um, shield, <laughs> shield's five points. I tried that. I thought about it. <laughs> Someone model that, please. <laughs> Jordan, if you're out there. Bull on bull action. Uh, so the shield's five points. You can take a blunderbuss for aim score four for five points. No one's taking a blunderbuss. Why the fuck is that there? Um, mount options. You can take a baby bull for 220 points, or you can take the big daddy bull for 410. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, incredibly strong. The only yeah. thing that he's lost is that he no longer gives the unities in hatred. But I think everyone would take the keys to the Citadel rule over that any day of the week. I mean, if he was given that fucking immortal unit hatred as well, it would just be insane. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he... there's We've already kind of suggested a couple of builds. Either you go with the Onyx Core route and you become a little bit more anti-monster, anti-character... Or you could go with like a lender and just, you know, give him the the triple speed item and now you're seven attacks. Yeah. With hatred. Strength five base. You can get him to strength six. And you've not spent any points on your magical launch yet. Yeah. That's really fucking good. Yeah. I think he's very strong. Two hundred and seventy points is a steal. Um, I can already hear the the dwarf players going. Oh, but you're sacrificing maneuverability for all that. Like this is <laughs> incredible points value. Uh, yeah, very strong. Only discipline ten. Same as only a, discipline ten. Only, same as a winged reaper. I am so glad they got round to the creep in this book. <laughs> um, is it winged reapers in the VC book? There, discipline ten. Yeah, because they've got every rule. Because they're desperately trying to make them good. <laughs> <laughs> Give him discipline ten. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. He's the fact that you're getting that rules that gives you a free magical item, and you're only spending two hundred and seventy points is really fucking good. So here's a question: um, very strong or broken? I'll be conservative and say very strong. I would agree because 
um, he's most likely going in something like the Immortals, in which case no one wants to fight that, and uh, you'll spend a lot of games not actually in combat. Yeah. Because why would you honestly want to fight that? And then if you stick him on the, the Great Bull, although you get massive cool points, you've now got a massive fucking bullseye on your arse, pardon the pun. Yeah, bulls count yeah. towards the uh, Instruments of Destruction category, which is 30%. Yeah, um, yeah the bulls... I actually think the Great Bull is very good. Yeah, we'll come to him in a second. Um, but yeah, it becomes very expensive if you do that, and it's a big target on your head. Yep. Okay, okay, so thumbs up for the Overlord. Yeah, moving on to the Prophet. So, I like this. I, I like this, this a lot. Cool, I think this is a cool good entry. So, your Prophet, of course, is your caster. He can take Alchemy, Occultism, or Pyro. He's 165 points. Um, he gets Infernal Armor, standard, which is very good. He is res 5, 3 wounds, defensive 4. He's only got 2 attacks, offensive 4, at strength 4, AP 1, which I like 2. So he's tanky, like a dwarf should be, but not particularly killy. Um, which is solid for a caster. I think that's really good. Yeah. Um, you can take 1 of 4, or sorry, you must take 1 of 4 options. So these are basically going to special your caster down one of four different roads that tie into the different themes in the book, which is very cool. So you've got Prophet of Lugar, Prophet of Nezeb Kesh, Prophet of Shamut, and Prophet of Asherok. Um, each option is limited to zero per so zero to two models per army. You can take up to 100 points of magical items, or if you're a master, you can take up to 200 points worth. And you can also give them a shield for 10 points. So... Off the bat, you're using points, so you've got a res 5 3 up armor wizard. So it's really good. Yeah. Um, so the different prophets do different things. So kicking off with Prophet of Asherok, um, this is really cool. Depending on what lore you take, it basically changes the upgrade. So if you are a Prophet of Asherok on Alchemy, the model may cast Blaze instead of Alchemal Fire as the attribute spell. If you are a Prophet Pyromancy, you can cast Alchemal Fire instead of Blaze as the attribute. Or if you're on Occultism, without performing the Sacrifice, you can choose either Alchemal Fire or Blaze as the attribute spell every time you cast a spell. That's really fucking cool. Incredible. So, pretty much irrespective of what lore you take, you can be making things flammable. This is super, super strong. And the other one's good, and we'll talk about them. Um, yeah. This is by far the best option. 50 points. Um, you will see Master Prophets of Asherook and 90% plus yeah. of Idealists. And the, the big thing is, it's you may cast. So you exactly, don't have yeah. to. You've always got the choice. He, so, he just synergizes so well with the cool. army, especially because they, they need the, the flammable tokens and things like that. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, you've got next up, Prophet of Lugar. So if you take this, the model gains a 4-up Aegis save, but you'll lose the Infernal Armor. The model part also gains Volcanic Embrace 1. If you're on foot, you also gain Feign Flight, plus 1 and plus 3 March Rate, and you also gain access to the following options. So you can put them on a Kadim Chariot for 70 points. And you can also take either a great weapon for five points or or paired weapons for five points. So the Prophet of Asherok doesn't get uh, weapon upgrade options. So you're not really there for fighting. Whereas yeah, pure caster. Pure caster. 
the other three profit items come with additional weapon upgrades. Um, I think they'll as well. Okay, you're, you lose your plate, but if you take the chariot option, which is plus two armor, and then you, you can still take a shield, you're a four-up armor, four-up Aegis yep. wizard. Um, I think that's a really cool option as well. Yeah, I think uh, we were talking about this again this morning. Um, I think you're going to see, because Asherok is so strong, I doubt people will run Lugar as master, but I think you will see it on Lugar. Um, and I mean, they're, they're reasonably fight as well, so you give him the paired weapons and he's got three strength, four attacks. Bounce of score five. And then you've still got 100 points of magical allowance, so you can give him the flame of the, the east for the 2d3 exactly, rings yeah. that you get on top of your impact that you only have because you're on the chariot. I think it's a really cool option. Yeah, and you can put him on foot inside the, the Disciples of Lugar as well. And he synergizes well with them. I th- yeah, I think he's cool. Um, I think definitely more adept than the master. Than the master, but still very cool. And yeah. something else as well. Um, because of discipline nine, these guys make good generals. If you're not wanting to take the overlord. Yeah, like he kind of reminds me like what the warrior wizard used to be like. Because you're getting plate base, you're not paying for it like you do in the warriors book, and you can get shield. And the fact that you're res five as well, like being on foot even with those simple upgrades, still makes you fairly resilient if you yeah. do win them in a block. So it's still totally an option. Um, and then we've got the third profit upgrade, which is profit of Nezab Kesh. The model gains Fire of Industry 1, so this is eaten into your, your budget for your war machines, and you also gain Engineer 3+, which it can use on a friendly gunnery team, Infernal Artillery or Infernal Engine within 6 inches. You also gain one of the following options. He can be mounted on the Infernal Bastion, which is the new war platform thing. And you can also give him a Blunderbuss or a Flintlock Axe. So this is kind of tying in with your more gunline builds, yeah. um, which is very cool. I think this is going to be the one that struggles to see the table. I don't think it's going to be as popular. No. Um, I like the fact that they have given you an option that synergizes with a different playstyle from the other two. I think this is very cool. I don't even know if it... Because my issue with it was that it doesn't actually really synergize with other stuff. So obviously the engineer rule is good. But mm-hmm. if you put him on something like the Infernal Bastion, which there's no point. you just The Infernal Bastion's a war platform and it's a separate unit. You would just take it as a separate unit. You're not taking it as a mount. Um, if, you, if you were to put him on the Bastion, he's not going to be anywhere near the war machines. So there's no point. It'd be near the gunnery teams, though. It could be with, near the gunnery teams, I suppose, yeah. But like... Meh. And then he comes towards the fire industry as well, which is only zero assist. Yeah. I think just thematically, though, again, it's about giving options. I mean, the Infernal Bastion, I mean, it's 230 points for the mount. If you take it as a unit, it's 290. Saving some points, taking it as the mount, if you were wanting to take one anyway. Um, Not saving a massive amount of points. No. I but I just think you could it's... do, yeah, you could do like a kind of aggressive gun line almost, where because everything's quite short range, you almost just like march up and I'll shoot, shoot, yeah. shoot. That could be quite cool. Yeah, um, I mean, you've got march and shoot pretty much everywhere, and when we come to the infernal bastion, that is protect. That is also giving you options for the, that you're now putting them in. So I guess it just it just reinforces a slightly different playstyle. So. 
I don't think it's as good. I don't think it's as cool, but I think it's nice that they're giving you that option. Um, I think this is the type of thing people want in the new army books. Yeah, because people had engineer profits and stuff. Yeah, it gives yeah. flavor. It gives different options. It doesn't. It's not taking anything away from how people might want to play the book, which I yeah. think is a good thing. Yeah. And then the the last one is profit of Shamut. It's cool as well. So if you take this. Uh, the model gains access to the following options. He can take the Torok ritual for free, which is very cool. Yeah. You can give him the Bull of Shemut as a mount for 140 points, or you can take the Great Bull of Shemut for 370. So it's cheaper on him than it is on the Overlord for obvious reasons. And he has some weapon upgrades as well. You can take a Great Weapon, Paired Weapons, or an Infernal Weapon. So again, if you want to kind of go more into the, the Torok-style units and be a little bit more um, you want like a faster list yeah. then you know you can do that by putting them in those units yeah. so I think it's cool it's yeah. nice it's, it's nice that the different um, the different options are there. the fact that the, the names it kind of gives you some clue as to where the, the background is going Yeah, and like what these different things are tied to which is cool yeah I really like this unit entry I love the, the specialisations I think this is something that works really well in army books and that should be more of a third army books as well, um, yeah. Because it just means that when you're writing a list, you have to consider these things. You almost have to specialize and try and work in those synergies. Um, mm. And I think all three are are, are decent. Actually, all all three. You've already written off profit of days of cash. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh sorry. All four. All four. Uh, Asherok is just amazing. Uh, Lugar's strong, um, and the Shemut one is is cool because it lets you get away from the issue that. Like dwarves and infernal dwarves always just have infantry, mm-hmm. and that you've got all your characters in one block and things like that, and it kind of lets you play a little bit more, you know, open a little bit more flexibility in your how you're tackling the game. So, yeah, but all the names are yeah. cool as well, and the upgrades don't tie certainly. Like you can take any of the three, yeah, these which options. I like, yeah. Um, and I think. Like, on the face of it, like, this is one page. Like, this is a lot of rules. But this is complexity at the list-building level, not at the gameplay level. Yes. Because made the decision, the rules that affect each entry is tiny. Yeah. So it's it's really not complicated at all. I think that's a really good point. So it's, um, I, yeah, major cool points here. I, th- I read this part of the book. Yep. Uh, right, so after the Prophet, we have the Vizier. So- this is your kind of standard hero level character um he hasn't changed too much between the last book and this one um you know kind of standard infernal dwarf hero that's he's got advanced march nine infernal brand three health points offensive defensive six res five strength four infernal armor three attacks strength four ap1 agility three march and shoot exactly the same as he was before yeah exactly the same he's 10 points cheaper though yes he is yeah slightly cheaper um, he can also take the Torok Ritual for 75 points, which is cool. You can have a mobile BSB. Um, BSB upgrade is 50 points, as per usual. Special items up to 150. Yep. Pretty good. Uh, very cool. Um, I think, I almost think that's fair, though, because they need the special items for those synergies. Um, shield is 5 points. Blunderbuss is 5 points. No one's taking a Blunderbuss. Uh, one choice between uh, paired weapons for five points, flint lock axe aim score two, ten points, great weapon ten points, and final weapon twenty points. And then for his mounts, he can take the baby bull for two hundred points, potentially cool. 
especially if you give them the uh, BSB upgrade. Um, or you can take a seat of authority. So the seat of authority is essentially dwarf shield bearers uh, for this guy, which you, you can already hear the dwarfs grumbling. Uh, but it's only forty points, and it gives you uh, plus one armor. Yeah, I mean it's unlike the. Um, I don't know what the stats are on the dwarf shield bearers, but like on the the war dais, like the, the the offensive stats, it's pretty weak. It is, yeah. I mean, it's really just giving you the armor buff and the option to join vassals if exactly, if yeah. Because the infernal brand stops you from joining vassal units. Hmm. Um, it doesn't give you plus one health, which stuff like the dais and the shield bearers do. Um, the good thing is that it keeps its defensive as character. So I yeah. know that some mounts put that set defensive on it. Uh, so he's keeping his defensive six. I, I mean, it's it's meh. But overall, I mean, it, you know, box standard hero type character is going to be your BSBs uh, yeah, and some cool options. Decent, decent stats. 150 points potentially if you use it for special items. Yeah, I think he's fine. Yeah. He's not expensive. No, 115 points for him is very good. If you want to run a cheap BSB, you've still got a guy with three wins, reds five, you know, three up armor. Pipes spend the five points. Exactly. Yeah, super cheap. Does what you know, does what it says in the turn. Mm-hmm. And then we go on to the next one, which is the Torok Commissioner. Uh, so off the bat, Commissioner, don't like the name. Shit name. Um, that's going in the shit name pile. To me, it's just too modern sounding. Like it's commissioner. I can't imagine anyone in a fantasy setting being a commissioner of anything. I thought commissar would have been a cooler name. Commissar. The Toric, like the the background of the Toric are that they're basically like the enforcers of the the infernal dwarves. So they're like a quasi police force military branch. Yeah. Um. So that's why I mean, there's a lot of legal rhetoric which was toned back. Because some of the names before were very questionable. Hashtag by lawyers. Um, but, yeah, it's not supposed to be great. You know, I think it's very cool. Yeah. Not a great name. Um, so he's 290 points, or she's 290 points. <laughs> um, it's a large beast. So 50 by 75 mil base. You are move 7, March 12, which is interesting. Discipline 9. You get fear, and in the Infernal Brand special rule, four wounds, which is very good. Your defense, offensive skill six. Your res five, and you come with Infernal Armor. Four attacks, offensive skill six, strength five, AP two, agility four. You get one impact hit, and a special rule called an eye for an eye. So this is an attack attribute. If you are joined to a Torak anointed unit, when a rank and file model from the unit is removed as a casualty due to melee attacks, Bader must immediately perform a close combat attack if possible, must re-roll failed to hit rolls until the end of the phase. So if you kill one of his pals, you give the guy hatred. Yeah, I know hit. Yeah, which is very good. For 280 points. You can be your BSB, he gets 150 points of special items, you can give him a shield, so your res 5 guy is now 3 up armor. And you can take paired weapons, a group weapon, or an infernal weapon. Yeah. Thoughts? Um, I think this guy... I mean, the fact he can be, he can be a BSB, which is very cool. Um, I think this guy's going to be out in his own. Uh, the eye for the eye rule, I, I, I mean, 
stop me if you disagree, but it looks really good on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but it only works when he's joined to the Torque Anointed, who are pretty tough, so they're not going to be like falling over. So it's not something that you can just generate lots of attacks. It's cool, though. Um, so you give him something like a great weapon, and if one of your Torque Anointed die, yeah. um, then you, you've given him great weapon, hatred, with strength 7, 4 attacks. Very cool. Um, but I think when he's when he's Todd, so you give him a shield, you give him the infernal weapon. You can you can pimp him out if you want, but you want to just keep him cheap, and he's very solid. He'll go about punching up small units and take on monsters and things. So for three hundred and thirty-five points, that's what it would be for yeah. a shield and an infernal weapon. So just for a, a cheap cowboy. Yep. I mean, four attacks is an issue because it means that you know that's very whiffable. Uh, especially if you don't have him built rerolls like hatred or something, but mm. this is the yeah. Unless you take a, a someone on a bull, this is your kind of cowboy character, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm generally a someone that runs cowboys. When I looked at this guy, I I envisaged the big unit with him in there, just running around, being like, "Come and fight me, please." Um, that just appeals more to me. I think he's again, it's cool. It's a cool option. I think the fact that you can run this guy as a BSB. I think if he was just in book without that, he'd just be immediately a lot less attractive. A bit limited, yeah. And just be like, meh. Like, this is the kind of thing people wanted for, like, a Felgic Elder. Like, you could have a general BSB option. Like, fair enough, you, you can't make him your general. Um, oh, no, you can make him your general, I suppose. You're still disciplined nine. So you could have two of these. You could have a general and a BSB. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. The issue with taking them in the anointed is just that the units become so expensive. Mm. And you're talking, if you put one of these guys in with a decent sized uh, anointed unit, you're talking a thousand points. Yeah, sure. Once you once you pump them out, the, yeah. the unit's going to be a thousand points. But it's just, I just think that they become too expensive to run them in the units. I think individually, they they definitely got role. And just as a guy like running about with as a mobile BSB again. It just gives yeah. you cool list options, um, but yeah, I like it. I, I can see good. him. I can see him not being massively, popular, but I think he's cool, and I'm glad he's got a, a role in the book because the Torak are a cool concept. Yeah, I'm a fan. Thumbs up. Just, just name is shit nice. name. Shit name. Uh, and then the last character we've got is Conjurer. So this is your your pleb wizard. You can run around and be your backup if you want the cheap adept. Yep. So they're 115 points, standard infantry on a 20 mil base, movement 4, March 8, discipline 7, they have not a leader, so obviously he can't be running around as your general. He comes with 3 health points, defensive 3, res 3, no armour, yet 1 attack, offensive skill 3, strength 3, no armour, penetration, agility 3. You can make an adept for the standard 75 points, you can take pyromancy and you can take witchcraft, which is why... People are going to bring them. Yes, absolutely. You can stick them on a steed for 45 points, and you can take 75 points of special items and light armor. So, dis- dispel scroll caddy or one of the special item upgrades on this guy on a steed running around casting witchcraft. Yep. I think it's very cool. Like, I could, like, my preference, I like a lot of the, the Torok and, like, Shamut style. Units, so having him running around, giving your your cav units like plus two movement with the attribute from witchcraft, yeah, is very cool. I think that's really cool. 
and I have to say that a lot of the faster stuff in the book is still not particularly fast. You're talking it's like not, March it's, yeah, 12. Yeah, so. yeah. It's, it's weird slip profile stuff. So it's movement 7, so on the charge beasts, so you're still getting stride, but when they want to march, that's when you're you're not going as fast as exactly, you want to be. Yeah. So, so energize as well. The only thing to note here is that because it doesn't have Infernal Brand, because it's a vassal, it can't join Infernal Dwarf units. Mm-hmm. So you can't have this guy sitting in a bunker with your prophet. He's got to be in a vassal out on his own. Yeah. But I think I think the sticking him on his steeds, there there are a, a mounted vassal option, which I think are decent. And depending on what lore he takes, like I don't know witchcraft really well, like but I don't think witchcraft is the ideal adept path. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly short range though. If you're buffing no, your own unit, range twenty four. Yeah, so you're you can hide at the back, um, and I mean he's start cheap, right? So emergency chaff if you read. Yep. They can cast magic, so I think it's a, a really cool option in the book. Yeah, agreed. Big thumbs up. I like this kind of stuff. Just again, it's just options. Yeah, it's good. Uh, right, so character mounts. So we've touched on a few of these, so we can rattle through them. Uh, so the first character mount is the seat of authority. So this is the uh, basically the shield bearer's option for the vizier. Um, so movement four eight. Again, that's solely so you can keep up with the vassal unit he's in. Um, he retains the character's health points, defense, and resistance. He gets plus one armor from it. The little dudes holding up the seat have got four attacks, strength three, offensive three, ag- a- sorry, agility three, AP zero, harnessed. Um, but the big thing's got the vassal governor rule. Um, so this allows them to join vassal units, which overrides the restriction from the infernal brand. And then when doing so, fail charge rolls of um, its unit in the charge phase must be, in addition, uh, friendly units with more than half of their models with oil skins within 12 inches uh, of one or more of the Vassal Governors at the start of their movement phase gains plus two march rate. Yep. Um, I can't imagine this is going to be a particularly popular choice. Uh, no, I don't think so. But it's interesting. The, the, the synergy with the oil skins Yeah. Is interesting. And again, it's options, and I think this is something that the books overall have really suffered from in the last, you know, three, four years. Is that over the time with the the army book updates before the the legendary book updates, they, they took a lot of options out of books and they left them quite bland. Like you can run a almost full vassal army or a full talk army stuff. It's yeah. I don't think they'd be competitive at you know high end tournaments, but. It's cool, and you should be able to do shit like that. So I like that a lot. Yeah, for sure. And then moving on, we've got the Vassal Steeds. So this is um, pretty speedy. So this is your standard cav type unit. It's Advance 8, March 16. It comes with Fane Flight, Light Trips, and Vanguard 6. They get plus one armor, and the mount has two attacks. At offense has got three, strength three, EP one, agility three. So... The big thing is just giving your cheap vassal conjurer a nice speedy mount to be dicking around on casting these spells. It's really good. I've got a pet. What's the? Is it the Vanguard Six? Vanguard Six. <laughs> and you're gonna have an issue. I fucking hate this. Why is this just, a thing in the game? Just when you thought it was only flares that had Vanguard Six. It's just fucking like if they wanted to separate values for Vanguard, they should have done it when they redid the core rules. Having this, like, because there's now this kind of like staggered power gap between stuff that can Vanguard 12 and stuff that can Vanguard 6. It's stupid. I don't like it. Pet hate. 
<laughs> awesome. Uh, right, next up we'll be Grim Chariot. Yeah, so this is, I mean, Chariots, I'm right in saying, are new to the book generally, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, so this, this is quite new. Brand new concept. Um, Kadim Chariot, the name alone sends terror to the spines of people because they're like, shit, does that mean it can fly? But, you know, shit, what's it, what's it going to do? Um, I thought you were going to say it. It chills down people's spine because they think, wow, that's a shit name. <laughs> I mean, not a particularly good name, let's be serious, guys. It's a little bit vanilla, but it does, it, I mean, it's described insofar as it has a Kadim pulling it. Which is an interesting Yeah, I guess because Kadim is just like a, it's like a generic demon name, right? So this is a yeah. Kadim beast that's pulling this, where you've got the incarnates and the titans, so there's things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we digress. Um, so it's 0 to 1 per army, it's a large construct, 50 by 100 base, standard chariot. Um, it is only advance in March 6. Yeah. Um, it's got fear and swift stride, but the big thing is it's got contract driven as a rule. So contract driven shit name, um, allows it to re-roll failed uh, charges. <laughs> yeah, which is really good, especially when you're only moving six. Exactly. It ne- if it didn't have that, it'd be garbage. Yeah. Um, it's four health points, defensive of the character, res five, plus two armor. It's got an Aegis two plus against flaming. Um, the Kadim Beast has got three attacks, offensive three, strength five, AP one, agility four. Uh, the Beast itself has battle focus, um, which the Kadim have lost. Spoiler. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's an, that seems like an inconsistency. Yeah, I guess because it's maybe like a beast, the like more base version. I don't know. Um, this itself has Volcanic Embrace, D3, which is cool. And um, the Shadow has Strike 5, AP2, Impact Hits, D3. The um, 0 to 1 mount per arm restriction seems quite big. I think because they're worried that you would just spam them with the Prophets of Lugar. Because if yeah. you put a Lugar on it, it gets a 4-up pages. Yeah, when you put a Lugie on it, it gets a 4-up pages. A Lugie. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, initially when we were going through the Prophet... Uh, upgrades. That was my initial thought, like taking two adept sets, but you can't do that, obviously. Yeah. So I, I guess mean, that would it's... be quite cool. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but yeah, like I can understand I don't why they but... don't want that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want multiple chariots in a dwarf book. That's yeah. fine. But I mean, when you've already got like cav and monstrous cav in the book, it seems a bit like redundant not giving them that. When you've also got monstrous, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's just interesting that it's zero point one. Yeah, and it also counts towards... So the, the Kadim Chariot is a unit entry in of itself, uh, which is 0 to 3, and it counts towards that. Um, yeah. So you can have max 3 cutting about. But, I mean, I think they're all right. Uh, the big limit is the, the movement. They're only movement 6. But I think there's definitely a place for them with the, the Lugar option. Make it 4 up. Becomes very tanky. Yeah. It's interesting that the mount, the character mount gets plus 2 armour. Yeah. Whereas the regular unit entry has a five-up armor. Yeah. So it is a little bit different. I mean, the Lugar lose the general armor, don't they? So they're going to be five, yeah. five or four up. Yeah. Two up against Flamen. Well, if you take shields, you're four up. Uh, can the Lugar take shields? Yeah, I think. I don't uh, remember no, it. Can't. Can. Nah, only... Oh, no. Additional options. Yeah, they can take a shield if they want. Yeah, yeah. okay. So you could do four up. Yeah, four up, four up. There you go. Still yeah, totally. Especially the race five, um, and seventy points, pretty decent. Yeah, that's good. Again, you're getting an extra win. Yeah, it gives the Lugar a very cool role in the army, which I like. I guess that's the difference. I was kind of comparing the the prophet to the the chaos sorcerer. The chaos yeah. sorcerer is getting the the res upgrade, 
Whereas here, you're already res five. So yeah, it's really just exactly. a, it's really just a win in the maneuverability. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to the bulls. So the bull of Shimut. So this is the baby bull. Uh, large calf, 50 mil base, two per army. You've got a ground speed of 714. Your fly speed is 12. Uh, you cause fear. You have light troops and tiring presence. Comes with four health points at risk five with an inbuilt five up aegis save. Armor as character. Defensive skill character. Uh, the bull itself has four attacks, offensive skill four, strength five, AP two, agility three. It also has divine attacks, flaming attacks, harnessed, and impact hits D3. What do you think? It's a large calf mount. It is all right. I mean, the over, that's 220 points. I mean, you can get them to a one-up armor pretty easily. Because mm -hmm. you start off with plate, um, you take a shield, there's already three, and then, you know, there's ways to get to one-up. One-up up is decent. It's pretty good. For 200. I mean, on a for a profit of Shimu, it's 140 points. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper. It's cool. Than, than the Overlord. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I think the main thing is that um, all mode line the army, I've got that 0 to 2 restriction. So you can't do a full kind of flying circus with all the yeah. tools, which you shouldn't be able to do. So that's, I mean, that's cool. Um, I mean, you could still have your wizard on one and slot on a great bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And have a Torak anointed BSB. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. So you're you're immediately super maneuverable. <laughs> I like that. In, in terms of discipline and magic and everything else. So that's quite a cool idea, I guess. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's solid. It's cool. Fine. It's, I mean, it's probably, I guess the pricing might change on the characters. Um, yeah, potentially too cheap. Um, I don't know. Like, I think it's, I think it's potentially too cheap. 140 points. Again, you're only in terms of um, resilience. You're only benefiting in terms of the inbuilt Aegis save, which is good. You're only getting one additional health point. It's not giving you additional. Um, the additional attacks are good because the, the wizards are not particularly good in combat. Um, yeah, 140 points. Four attack strength five isn't going to save you in combat though. No, but I mean, I mean, if the wizard was on its own, like kicking around. I mean, small threats could probably take him out. Yeah, yeah. Like Cavs are going to want to fight the bull. Yeah. Whereas the bull can hold its own against smaller units. So I think that's enough. Um, and just a way to get more mobile magic, I think is cool. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty good. And then we've got the big daddy. Do you want to do him? Oh, the big daddy. I like this. This is cool. Um, so his same movement as the baby bull. Um, he's got six health points, defensive five, res, armor two. Age is 5 plus, uh, 5 attacks, offensive 5, strength 6, AP 3, agility 3, uh, breath attack, strength 4, AP 1, divine flaming, divine attacks, flaming attacks, harnessed, impact hits D3, and he's a gigantic beast. Yeah. So he's he's a kind of dragon, great griffin equivalent. Mm. You get massive good points if you take a bull. Is he about the same as a dragon? Five attacks is about right, right? Yeah, I mean, five. dragons normally have six, right? It's, except from the baby dragons. So, but he's 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 kind of in that category because he's got stuff like yeah. the, I mean, the weapons the same, um, but he gets impact hits and he gets an inbuilt five plus, which is good on a gigantic one. Yeah, and the fact that you're defensive five because that's the defensive stat that matters yes. for combat. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and then, I mean, this is going to be the, the overlord on him, right? So he's it's just going to be an issue of cost, I think. Mm-hmm. But Base size options there. 50 by 100. So you're slightly... I mean, I think the the dragon from the Warriors book, that's, is that 60 or is that 50? Is that slightly yeah. wider? It's slightly wider, I think. I think the... It's only the Highborn Elf ancient one that's bigger, right? Yes, yeah. But I guess maybe that speaks to the fact that, you know, it's a flying creature, but it's not supposed to be as fast in the air, which is why the fly speed is yeah. um, less, and it's suppo- maybe it's supposed to be a little bit less graceful, but just a bit kind of stronger. Yeah. Impact tips, I guess that's the the, the kind of um, compromise that dragons and shit don't get. Yeah. So D3, strength 6 impact tips, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I don't think it's amazing. Um no, it's not saying, but no, again, but it's just cool. it's, it's it's a suitably better version of the baby bull. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's all. Oh no, no, no it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> buckle up. Okay, buckle, buckle right, in. Paolo, take this one. Okay, so now next up, we've got the mobile tower. I mean, the infernal bastion. <laughs> um, so this is zero one mounts per army. This is a, a gigantic construct on a sixty by hundred mil base. Um, so this is a, the Infernal Dwarves War Platform option. Um, so it's Movement 3, March 9. It is a Firing Platform, which is a special rule, which I'll get to. It has the wall. Take that, yeah, walls. <laughs> it has the Wall Breaker special rule, which again is a special ID rule. It's got eight health points, so it's a bit of a beast. It's Res 5 with uh, Armor 4. It's defensive skill 1, which is obviously garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got 6 crew with 1 attack each, offensive skill 4, strength 3, EP 0, agility 2. So it's manned by plebs. And it has a battering ram that is offensive skill 4, strength 5, EP 2 that does D3 plus 1 impact hits and comes with a crush attack. So the firing platform special rule, all models in the same unit as the model are considered to be in soft cover. So that's already good. Yeah. Addition, they may choose to line of sight as if they were gigantic from any point of the base of the Infernal Bastion at 360 degrees when shooting or casting spells, ignoring front art restrictions. So that's very good. <laughs> if so, as long as the unit has at least one full rank, a maximum of 20 models can shoot. These models can shoot regardless of the rank they are positioned in. Measure the range from any point of the base of the infernal engine. This is, this is the, you know, the meme of uh, uh, McManus from WWE where he's sitting in the chair. And he's like, hmm, yeah. Oh, oh my God, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Just as you keep on reading. <laughs> so the wall breaker rule isn't like, this is just flavor, really. Um, so the battering ram can use its crush attack against enemy units engaged in the models from facing. The model must be deployed in and can only join a unit that consists entirely of models within and it can never voluntarily leave the unit. In addition, the model's unit ignores distracting granted to the enemy units by defending a wall. Meh. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's there for fluff, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's just totally fine. It's, I mean, it can never voluntarily leave the unit. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, stuff like the Plague Pendulum has that. Oh, does it? Yeah. Okay. So it's not particularly novel, so that no. won't surprise. Um, okay. So what do you think of this? 
like the firing platform thing seems mental. First off, it just gives you soft cover, so you're fucking res four, three up armor, tanky dwarves, and getting soft cover if they're trying to be shot at. So that's very good. Um, the three hundred and sixty degree line of sight thing. Like I know a lot of people have a problem with that in the Vermin book when it comes to like whatever it is, Magister or the fucking yeah, like, so whoever it's it is the, um, it's on top. Yeah, the Magister can go into the bell. Yeah, so like a lot of people don't like that. I get the idea behind it. It makes sense because this is what it is. It's supposed to be a mobile war engine uh, with a guy on top of it. So it makes sense that you can see 360. Um, The fact that it kind of just, you know, if you put it in the unit, obviously you're, you're paying points for this. So it's not like you just get this. But the fact that it doesn't, it, you know, it's not that it penalizes people, but when you manage to outflank or surround something, you're not really getting the benefit anymore because you can still have your fucking face shot off. Yeah. So I think it's potentially very strong. But I don't know how popular these are going to be in the book. Yeah, I think this is um, this is another one where you read it and you're like, this is mental. But then I think you've got to walk with it and think about it a little bit. Um so first off, I mean, from a background perspective, right? So this is meant to be like a battering ram siege tower kind of thing. Yeah. And it's cause the Infernal Dwarves are based off the Assyrians. Yeah. Um, you do not take them in an open field for a battle. Stupid. You can keep a, a war platform like this, which is cool. And I like seeing them on the table because they just look cool. Yeah. Um, make it, don't try and emulate a siege tower or a battering ram because it's just it's stupid. Just make it something like a a massive war shrine or something like that, which would make sense because all the, the religious stuff with the prophets and things. Yeah, for sure. So, don't like that. Um, in terms of gameplay, uh, the 360 thing is going to get a lot of hate because it, for exactly the reasons you said that it, to a degree it takes skill out of the game where you can just shoot 360. Uh, especially when the game is built on the fact that it's ranks and flanks and arcs and things like that. Um, yeah. And especially like if you put Someone like the the Asherok uh, prophet in here, and he's yeah. firing out pyro three hundred and sixty. Um, that's potentially very very strong when you're getting twenty shots out as well. Uh, I just, yeah, I think this is it's potentially very strong. The thing that might save it, um, and will become very clear very early on when we start seeing these guys on the table, is that because motion's range eighteen, you've got to be. Afraid. Yeah. Um, and whether it just gets gang-banged in combat. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think cost is going to come into it a lot and that will receive the rest of the book is because if there's just better stuff in the book then that might just save it if the internal balance is good. Yeah. But I think on it, it, it does look good. I think people would try it because it's a new thing. Yeah. So I think I think we won't have to wait very long to find out what's bent or not. Yeah. Um, cool modeling options. Cool modeling options. Thematically, I think it's cool. You know, it's only one per army. So it's not, like, redonkulous. You're going to have, like, four in about. Um, These are going to go in and uh, set their guard units. Yeah, and it's going to be a choice whether it's flintlocks or blunders, right? Yeah. Or set a guard or just... Yeah, just flintlocks, yeah. I mean, you could put them in the warriors with the blunders, but I just bet it's about the blunders. I don't know, maybe I'm completely misreading that, but I think uh, the flintlocks are nasty with this. Yeah, I think... 
this kind of speaks to like what we were saying before is like with the synergies because the wizard in there and he's trying to make things flammable he's you know protected by the unit that he's in he's got eight health points when we get to the the vassals and what they can do and like some of the order mechanics you know you can see how some lists might be put together which is interesting um but yeah i don't know how strong these are going to be if these are going to be auto clear or not yeah we just need to wait and see okay so moving on to the core options of the book which are 25 percent um so we haven't come across anything in the book that can limit this no yeah so you're always 25 yeah. yeah so the first entry are the warriors so these are 165 points for 12 models you can have up to 40 for an additional 12 points each you can have up to three units in the army um typical dwine move three march nine discipline nine they come with Infernal Brands and they score. One health point at res 4, defensive 4 with Infernal Armor. They've got one attack each, offensive 4, strength 3, AP nothing, agility 2 with March and Shoot. You can give builds, blunderbusses with an AM4+, plus or great weapons, standard. Yeah. I think these, I, have these changed at all from the old book? Uh, I've got Infernal Armor now rather than Heavy Armor. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, they're still very expensive if you give them blunderbusses. Um, the the model count, so they start at twelve, which seems a bit awkward. Yeah, before it was fifteen. Yeah, I just meh. but I mean twelve points. They're pretty. You know, you get decent stats for twelve points a model. Yeah. Um, I think their main issue is that the next unit's just better. Giving them great three points for a great weapon, so fifteen points a model. You've got. Strength five, plate armor maybe. Mm. I don't know. I think just they might struggle just because um, of Citadel Guard. If you want blunderbusses, you have to take them. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the, the the niche. And I guess another thing worth pointing out is because of the um, Infernal Brand rule, there's almost like a quasi support system mechanic with the vassals. Yeah, where. In, uh, vassals nearby so I mean little units of infernal dwarves might be used to you know create synergies like that that's going to be a thing that's going to come out you know maybe a couple of months into play whether people think that's worth it yeah that's true um, uh, but the, I guess with the firing and yeah oh yeah yeah we'll get onto that yeah yeah, yeah. Because these guys who are the set guard yeah so, so these guys are 300 points base yeah for 15 they're already more expensive. 21 points for an additional model. Stat-wise, they are exactly the same, except they're strength 4 rather than strength 3. And they come with shields. So more expensive, but better in combat, more resilient. Swings and roundabouts. They also come with pistols for free, which is interesting. You can pay 3 points for a model and get pistols and spears. So spears in the book. And Flintlocks with an aim score of 3 plus for 5 points per model. They also come with the Let Them Come special rule. So the model gains fight an extra rank unless it's charging. In addition, if the model has not performed a march move during this player turn, it may shoot from the third rank. Very strong. I think the, the Pistols and Spears and the Flintlocks seem both like viable options. You've got march and shoot, so you can be, you know, you've got some shooting base with your pistols. 
not as good as the flintlocks, but it's something, you know, you can fire into chaff or whatever. And then if you're charged, you're now a jp 3 fighting in four ranks. Yeah. Because fighting extra rank stacks. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they come 15s, right? So they start at 15 for 300 points. Um, you, you, you don't get the bonus of the spear if you're just taking min size 15 units. No. Um, which is maybe where the flock's going to pip them. I mean, the fact they get spears is cool. And you, again, you could just moan about it because that was maybe a dwarf thing. Blah, blah, blah. A spear should be in every army because it's fucking it's a, rudimentary it's a pointy, weapon. It's exactly. a fucking pointy stick. Yeah. It's a pointy stick. Like I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that being in, in more books. But yeah, it is a massive buff when you lost to agility to an army that's supposed to lack that. That's a criticism of the weapon and how that's been designed. The concept of them having a spear in the first place should is... Basic, yeah, I think. Um, but the fact that they've got fighting extra rank when unless they're charging, it's fine because you don't want these guys charging anyway. They're going to march up in front of stuff, shoot. You, the enemy will move a bit closer to get a good charge next turn. You'll shoot again. The enemy will charge you. You'll stand and shoot, and then you'll beat them up in combat. Mm. I mean, they are pretty quite like three hundred points. So if you give, if you take the fifteen man units, which I think are going to be. The, probably the best idea, and you give them flintlocks and a musician, the 395. So they, they are quite expensive just for 15 dudes, but for core unit that scores, I think they're, they're decent. Yeah. Core unit scores, res 4, you've got 3 up armor at range, you've still got a 4 up in combat when they make it to combat, and now you're strength 5 when yeah. in combat. Yep. I think that's a good, good option, and it's thematic to the book. Yeah. I mean, even 300 points just for 15 with pistols and shields. Yeah. I think that's still pretty cool. Like the they, they would work in a kind of similar way to the dwarf greybeards, and they're just mobile scorers that are competent in combat. It's interesting, like thinking about some of the the book in that the way they deal with armor, they're actually better at dealing with range than they are in combat. Because the flintlock, for instance, doesn't get the plus one AP in combat; yeah. it gets plus one strength. Yeah. But it's AP two at range. Pistols are plus AP two. Do you know, like. Yeah. I suppose if, you, if you're if you going to charge them and they've got spears, then yeah, they're going to deal with armour that way. But as you say, if you're going to be taking a big block of them, then it's like, well, why the fuck would you charge that in the front anyway? Yeah. I think given that if, you, if you're taking them in bigger blocks, then the spear and the pistol is, is the option. But for the 15-man min squad something, uh, either just give them the pistols to keep them cheap or you give them front locks. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think they're cool. I like them. Okay, moving on. Vassal okay. Levies, do you want to take this? Yeah, so these are your your basically your old hobgoblins, your shitty guys. Um, so 140 points, uh, points a model. Uh, starting size 20, can go up to 40. They are standard infantry 20 by 20 in the score. Um, standard stat line, advance 4, march 8, discipline 7. Um, health points 1, defensive 3, res 3, armor 0, but they come with light armor. 1 attack, offensive 3, strength 3, AP 0, agility 3. And they come with oil skins. Um, their upgrades are, uh, you must choose either paired weapons for you, a shield for one point, shield spear for one point, or a bow with a name score of four plus for three points. And they can take musician, standard, um, they can take banner upgrade, mm-hmm. and they can take special champion called chieftain. So the, the hobgoblin chieftain is gone from the book, and this is kind of what's been put in his place. Um, so he's an upgraded champion. He's got two health points, res 4, strength 4, three attacks, 
uh, offensive defensive four of P one, so he's he's a better vassal. Um, he loses the first among equals rule the champions get. Uh, he must be equipped with the same weapon and armor choices as the other rank and file in the unit. For the purposes of receiving commanding presence and rally around the flag from friendly models, the model can six inches closer to those models. So that's a confusing way to say that they basically get the receive inspiring presence and rally around the flag at 18 if it was 12. Yeah. So they get the. Yeah. So it keeps your, your vassals around for longer. And that presumably stacks if your general or BSB was on a bull. Uh, yes, yeah, so it'd be 24. Yeah, 24. Gives the, the vassals quite a lot of flexibility in terms of moving around the board. Yeah, I guess if you're, if you're going to be firing these forward to use the oil skins, especially if they're like the mounted variant, then, you know, they're, you're, it's a little bit easier to keep them in reroll bubble for if you're going to be, you know, fleeing after your their charge or whatever, after yeah. they've made things flammable. So that's cool. But yeah, I mean, they kind of do what they they say on the tin. Um, I mean, they're very cheap. I, I don't know why you would give them paired weapons, really. Um, they get them for free. Yeah, if you want to keep them like dirt cheap. Otherwise, I mean, Shield gives them parry, so they can be little blockers. I mean, they I mean, score, which is the main thing, right? This this is it. So, theoretically, your two attack space offensive skill four. To, to run these in Horde, if you're, as long as they're within six of an Infernal Brand, they now have battle focus. Yes, yep. So you could run masses of them and just Go for masses of attacks. Yeah, I was thinking spear and shield with that. You get big, like hordes of forty guys, um, mm-hmm. for relatively cheap. Maybe like, we'd go to seven points a model at that point, um, and then you're getting the, the battle focus and the reroll charges from the infernal brand units nearby. Uh, yeah, I mean the obvious option is the bows. So you give them the bows and they've got the oil skins. So again, you just use them as the little shooters to mix the flammable. Yeah, um, but again, it's options, right? Yeah, and it's cool. I like it. So next one, last co-option are Shackled Slaves. So these are the kind of new Orc Slave units. So again, 120 points for our starting size of 20 models. You can go up to 40 models for 5 points per model. These are 25mm size. So again, this is kind of the ninth age thing of not seeing their Orcs. So theoretically, you could use any race as long as they're on the right base size, which is interesting. And then they've got, for stat line, advanced for March 8, 4. They have force compliance, special and insignificant. One health point at defensive skill 2, res 4, no armor. And they've got one attack, offensive skill 2, strength 3, agility 1. But really what these guys are here for is the force compliance rule. So what this does is, the unit may set its discipline to the value of any non-fleeing friendly model with infernal brand within 6 inches. So chances are, you know, you're going to have these next to other core or infernal warriors that are going to be at least discipline eight, if not higher. At the start of each friendly model turn, each unengaged friendly unit with one or more models with force comes to take a discipline test. If the test has failed, all models become shaken until the end of the player turn. If the test is passed, the unit may immediately, if it has at least one full rank, receive an order from a single friendly unit with Infernal Brand within 6 inches. Apply one of two effects. So the first one is Ammo Bearers. So shooting attacks made with a blunderbuss, a flintlock axe or pistol from the unit which gave the order gain battle focus. 
Remove a model from the unit with force compliance for every natural to hit roll of one with shooting attacks from the unit that gave the order. Alternatively, you can give them sacrificial wretches. Any health point lost through dangerous terrain tests on the unit that gave the order ignored. Remove a model from the unit with force compliance instead. The effects last until the end of the player turn. So this is a new kind of aspect of the book. This seems like the old, um, what was it, Orphan Goblin special rule? Uh, you know, you have to take a test and if you failed it, they do fuck all. Animosity? Oh, animosity, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, but they'll pass because they're going to be discipline 8 or 9. Well, they're um, going to be 9 or 10, aren't they, realistically? Cause it's well, realistically, it, yeah. yeah. So they should pass, and then you can be giving your shooting units back, or you can be protecting your units from DT tests. Yeah. So what's interesting is it says that under the ammo bearer special rule, you remove a model from the unit with force compliance for every natural to hit rule of one. Yeah. With plunder bosses, so does that mean if you roll ones, you lose the unit, but then you re-roll it again? No, so the natural hit would take priority, so you would count how many natural ones you rolled. You would take the casualties away and then you'd re-roll them. So they, you could roll like 10 ones. So you lose 10 guys. Yeah. You re-roll them and you roll another five wounds, so you lose another five guys. No, you wouldn't lose the other five because the natural is just the first roll. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Um, that would have been really funny. <laughs> blur it, your sleeves. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this? Um, so the things that jumped out at me... <laughs> as an Empire player. <laughs> as an Empire... Well, yeah, again, it's, it's the synergies again. Um, it's very reminiscent kind of... Um, support system that the Empire have. I mean, I personally don't really have an issue. I think synergies are a better way to play these kind of games anyway. So, um, But the thing that came out of me is that they're res 4 and they can take shields for one point. Yeah. Which then puts out a, a massive six points model. So you can have just massive tar pits of res 4 parry. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're 25 by 25. So, I mean, they are... The replaced slaves, which were in the previous uh, edition. I'm not convinced about the force compliance rule. Again, there's something that a lot of people saw, um, especially with things like the Infernal Bastion, and they're like, shit, like, how are you giving them 360 sight with battle focus and 20 shots? It's just going to be like force multiplier. Um, but you think that you have to be reasonably close to shoot with these weapons. And then you've got to have this unit within six of that unit to give them this. This isn't going to be particularly easy to orchestrate on a board yeah it's non-thing as well so you charge that unit first and they either hold and they take it to the face or they run away in which yeah. case they're not then getting the the order rules yeah so where i think this is potentially very strong is uh, if you have a unit of slaves behind something like a unit of citadel guard um, and then you give them so they march up they shoot with the battle focus the enemy moves in charge range, they shoot again with the battle focus, then the enemy charge, they shoot again, stand the shoot with battle focus. So there's yep. a there's a potential massive spike there in terms of damage output. Um, yeah, I don't know. Part of me thinks maybe it's too situational, like, is it worth it? Um, I can see them being used as the massive tar pits with the, the reservoir in the parry. Yeah. Uh, yeah I Do you know. just keep them super cheap then? And just take the 20 models for 120 points. If you're going to use them just... for that, yeah. If you're going to use them for the um, force compliance. I mean, the big thing is they don't score, right? So yeah. I think if they score, they'd be absolutely mental. <laughs> um, 
um, but they rightfully do not score. So insignificant, big. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see where these guys figure in. Yeah, I think um, between these guys, the vassals with the oil skins, and then like the the shooting weapon options on the two uh, dwarf core units. You know, factor in things like magic and incendiary and the ability to take an infernal engine or infernal bastion, rather. Um, you can. There's a lot of potential synergies, but then you're probably now spent half of your army's points on trying to set up a really strong gun line. Yeah, I think it's going to be. There's going to be a period of time where. I think it's going to take a while for people to figure out what their synergistic builds are because it's, it's, it's a synergy army now, whether people like it or not. And I think it's going to take people a while to figure out like what's the best core setups and things like that. Um, but from a like a Puritan perspective, there's lots of options there, which is cool. Yeah, um, all infantry, no cav and core. Yeah, no other unit types. So yeah, which, pretty dwarfy. Which stops you doing like a full Toruk army. Um, which is probably fine because although the the Torak are cool and the Torak are definitely they've been given a boost in this iteration, they probably shouldn't be able to do a full Torak army because then no, they're still dwarves. Yeah, the exactly. So yeah. yeah, cool, cool. So moving on to special. Yeah, so and wait. first in line <laughs> is our favourite section. Actually, there's a lot in special because all the artillery yeah. in here is all now. Yeah. So this might need to grab another beer if you're listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe two beers for this next unit entry. Yeah, maybe two. Yeah, we chase her. Um, <laughs> so first and uh, foremost are the Immortals. So 330 points for 15. They can go up to 36 points a model. They are scoring um, an elite kind of stat line, advanced 3-9, discipline 9. They are bodyguard. They've got the brand. They're scoring... Um, offensive, defensive 5 um, 1 attack strength 4, AP 1 agility 2. The main thing now is that they come with inbuilt rules so they come with inbuilt parry, just standard no matter what weapon you take Yeah. Um, they have the whispers of the mask which we already talked about so that's that they can never be done better than 4 with infernal armour and shield the standard so 4 up or 3 up armour and then their weapon options are you can choose a great weapon for free Hint, hint. Uh, they can take a spear for one point or an infernal weapon for two points. So they get that three up armor. So I think both the 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 great weapon and the infernal weapon are really strong on these guys. Mm. They're just they're so good and they're not that expensive for what they are. I get it's just it's just the tankiness more than I think the offensive capability with these guys because even if you take great weapons, you've only got one attack. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're even if you're running them like, then if you've got a character in there, then you're only going to have six attacks in front, six attacks at the back. So if you're hitting anything on fours, if you're fighting another elite unit or anything with a shield, you've just hit six times. You're not going to be doing that much damage, but yeah. you're going to be fucking nightmare to shit. Especially if you're popping up a fucking wall in front of yourself. <laughs> exactly. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. I mean, 15, 15 models base is very to start with, yep. considering how tanky you are. Yeah, there's a, again, the horrible part of my head is thinking, bam, 15 man units of immortals. Mm. Just yeah. eight musicians on them. Yeah, great and great weapons, yeah. 
marching forward nine inches. Come at me, bro. Yeah, because they're agility too, so I don't really see what the other options... I mean, the Feral Weapon to get the plus one armor, I see. Yeah, strength five is nice. Um, yeah, strength five. But I think, the, I mean, I really like the idea of the Grey Weapon on these guys, because they're getting the parry and boat. Yeah, it's, it, I guess the shield is really just there for the uh, for the armor save. Yeah, res res armor base is very good, especially when you're an army that can rock alchemy. You can get that that one up. Yeah, and you're immune to flaming, so you ignore yeah. alchemy coming back at you, or yeah. you don't ignore it, but uh, you know far less. Uh, just laugh at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely solid. Yeah, good unit. Yeah. Um, so next up we have the disciples of Lugar. Um, so these guys are 320 points base for 15. You can get to 30 at 22 points extra per model. These guys are a bit faster. They're movement 4, March 12 to spawn 9. They get Feign Flight. They've got the Infernal Brand, Pact of Fire, and they score. So they've got um, 2 attack base, Offensive score AP 2, Agility 3. So arguably better in some ways mm -hmm. than the actual Immortals. Um, they're only defensive skill 3 though, res 4, and they don't come with any armor. Flaming Aegis, 2+, plus, and a 5-up Aegis. So, not as good against kind of low, like kind of small arms fire that's going to be plinking wounds off, but better against high AP shit. Yeah, better against like, masses of stuff as well. Yeah, so they come with the litigator option which is 15 points per model um is that 15 points per 15 points it's yeah. 15 points that looks to be 50 point I, oh yeah 15 points per model seems very expensive but yeah i don't know if that's yeah, I don't know. Know. it just says 50 points that might be a typo um must use either paired weapons for free which would take them up to three attacks offensive skill five yep which is very good when you've got ap2 or great weapons for three points per model. They can take full command options and banner enchantments. So the special rule that they come with is Pact of Fire. And once per game, this allows the unit to... So at the start of any melee phase, all friendly models with the rule in the same unit can let the Kadim inside them take control. If so, they gain Fearless, Volcanic Embrace will suffer minus one AP and minus one offensive skill. Which, if they're rock-impaired weapons, meh. Yeah. Which are still offensive skill four. And AP one. They've been talked around to these guys. So I, you weren't a fan and then uh Fraz pointed out a couple of things and then yeah. maybe they're actually decent. Yeah, actually my initial note says shit seekers. Because <laughs> um, I think these have gone through quite a radical transformation between the old book and this one. Lost, um, unbreakable, you don't have the separate Lugar character that made them score, and they are just always scoring now. They're they've got feigned flight, which seems I don't know maybe a bit weird, but but yeah, they're meant to be like your kind of zealoty crazy guys, and then yeah, they can get their dicks out through the pact of yeah. fire. And the litigator option that you can take um, gives them hard target light troops and skirmisher, but they yeah. lose score obviously. So you can run smaller unit with that upgrade, or you can run bigger units of up to thirty if you want, and you can go mental. Litigator, shit name. We should, yeah, I mean, Pact of Fire, we should say, we should give them proper, that was Battle Lawyer. Yeah, but Pact, Pact of Fire, Fire is 100 times better. <laughs> is, is improvement. 
yeah, so the idea, I guess, in the, in the fluff is that these guys have, like, trapped Kadim, who are, like, fire demons inside them. And that's where they get this this ability where they can let the Kadim out and they, yeah. they get the volcanic embrace. Yeah, they're supposed to be, like, super sleazy, intelligent lawyers, which summons demons into shit. Yeah, as a unit, I mean, three attacks, offensive skill five, but strength four, pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, a five a five plus eight save and built is really good. I mean, you're still res four, so, I mean, they don't have the, I don't know, you do have to, because it's in the model rules, despite not having infernal armor. So you've still got the flaming ages. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just small arms fire that they're not going to want to go up against, but a five up ages is still good. Um, especially because there is a lack of divine in the game, and ironically, Infernal Dwarfs are now the most divine heavy. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I think I'm the same as you, and I, I can see them being used in min size units more than big units. Three hundred twenty points for fifteen, though it's quite expensive for what they are. Considering that they're only ten points cheaper than Immortals. Yeah, I don't know. I think you could do some cool stuff by putting the um, the Prophet Lugar in there. And giving them some of the special items, especially stuff like the the extra volcanic embrace. Yeah. Um, because it, you're just stacking auto hits on top of three attacks, strength four repaired weapons. So you can, again, big blocks of shit infantry. They're just going to go through. Um, yeah. I mean, you're you're spending, you're probably then spending more points than what you're killing, though. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. To do that, like anything that is. Decent in combat is going to strike, and you're going to be relying on a five up age of save. The so options as well through stuff like that, yeah, like, like the, the blocks. So, uh, yeah, I think they're probably they're fine. Just they just do it personally. I mean, they could very well be the new spice, but they just don't jump out of the page to mm. me. They're a bit like the fallen in the warriors book, right? They are stat line wise. Um, the only advantage they've got is the AP base. Yeah. And, and the agency whereas the fallen have the armor they're slower than fallen as well um, yeah and they're way more expensive than fallen yeah and the fallen don't light the world on fire so I'm struggling to see how these guys I can totally yeah. get how they'll, they'll just blend big blocks of shit but yeah I don't but know. it's agility 3 or potentially 4 so it's meh yeah um, moving on to the demon carnets Hey, what's up guys? Sorry to interrupt the episode. Just a little note on what's coming up. So Paul and I go on to talk about the Kadim Incarnates and the Kadim Titan itself. And something we didn't clock until after we recorded is that although the Kadim have lost battle focus, they do gain it again um, if they're within six inches of any of the Infernal Dwarf guys because they've got the, uh, the Kadim themselves don't have the mark. So they gain from the same bonuses, including reroll to charge, hint, hint. Uh, that the vassals do and stuff. So that's just something cool to keep in mind, and we're sorry we missed that when we were going through the book initially. Bye! Yeah, so these guys have gone through quite a hefty change. Yeah, these have changed actually quite a lot. Yeah, so standard 3-6 models start off at 300 points. They're now only 85 points per model. So all the Infernal Dwarf players listen to this that just came in the pants, just hold on a second. <laughs> So you can have up to three units in your army and up to 12 models. So yeah, two... so three units of four or two of six. Exactly, yeah. So that's just still there. Uh, large infantry as they were. 
They are advanced 6, March 12. They are now discipline 7, so they've lost the Pippa discipline. They cause fear, they are fearless, they have troops, but crucially they do not have fly. Um, they are supernal still, and then they've got a special rule called one, which I'll come to in a second. Uh, they're 3 health points, defensive 3, res 4, armor um, armor points 2, so 5 up. Uh, ages 2 plus against flaming, ages 5, so that's the same as it was before. 3 attacks, but they're only offensive 3 now, as opposed to, I think they were offensive 5 before. Um, strength 5, AP 1. Again, a hit. Agility, um, but they have been boosted with the Volcanic Embrace, as each one has Volcanic Embrace D3. So you're getting you know, a decent amount. 3D3, basically. Uh, auto hit, strength 4, AP 0. Um, so the Magma Tunneling special rule, shit name. <laughs> that uh, list is rapidly oh, expanding. Yeah. Um, so during the charge phase, the model ignores other units and terrain when moving and automatically passes dangerous terrain. Yep. Uh, I, just, I don't know. I, the ignoring terrain, uh, sorry, dangerous terrain tests, it just feels like they fly, don't they? Yeah, I don't know if it's to be like they're emerging out the ground. I just Is that what that's suggesting? I think so, yes. Yeah. So I think they're meant to like go burrow under and then come back up. Yeah. I don't feel that anything. Just make them fly. Take that rule out. It's needless. It doesn't matter. They're still suffering from the negatives of fly being light troops. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I think that's completely pointless. Take that, just make them fly as they were. They've lost Frenzy, which is good. Yeah. Um, they've lost Battle and they've lost Swift. Exactly. Um, so I think these guys have been actually pretty hard. Yeah. The big saving grace is the points. So if you do want to run a unit of six now, it's 140 points cheaper. Yeah. Which is just a lot. Yeah. And Volcanic Embrace is good on them. But again, yep. then they seem to have fallen into that category where they'll go through bunches of shit stuff. They're not. They're not really offering something that the other stuff doesn't. An agility four, so they're they're striking before a lot of the dwarfs are at strength five. Yeah. But they're hitting on fours because they're shit offensive. They're not generating yeah. attacks anymore. So yeah, I mean offensively. I don't think they are as good. They're definitely not as good as they were before. No. And They've without... just tried to compromise that on cost. Uh, yeah. I mean, having played the, the, the spawn intensively for you know a couple months, um, spawn suffer from this issue where because their offensive skill isn't great, and spawn are offensive four, so they're better than the Kadim, um, you lose half your strength five attacks attacking most things. So a lot of the time, you'll send a unit of six spawn or or it's going to be a unit 6 Kadim into something and you just bounce. Because you just, you know, a little spike in the dice and, and you're fucked. But, I mean, these guys are somewhat saved by the fact that they get Volcanic Embrace. Yeah. I don't know. I think... The only other potential benefit, and I don't know if this is a benefit, is that they are now in special. Yeah, so they're competing in a category. With other things. Yeah. So that's bonus as well. Um, but... Yeah, they're, it's a, they're kind of in a weird place now, I think. Because I think, like with a lot of the other dwarf units, they seem to be better at taking damage than dishing it out. Whereas these guys have got a lot of attacks at a good strength value, but they're just not as good as they were. It's like they've 
they've purposely gone out their way to be like, no, you can't have stuff that's as if yeah. we want to kind of, I don't know, highlight the whole defensive thing. It's, I mean, 18, at, 18 attacks. If you've got a champion, 19 attacks at Gen 5, still decent. AP1, that's a bit of a kick in the balls. Yeah. They were AP2 before. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see if... I mean, people that want to run this element of the book might still take them. Yeah, I think they'll probably still see play because they're they a cool and kind of iconic unit. And they still give you something that's a bit more fighty compared to other options. Although I think actually um, they're now under serious threat from the Torok Anointed who will come to in a second. I think the Torok yeah, might that. usurp uh, the traditional role of the Kadim. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll wait and see. I, I foresee changes to these guys in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I don't I don't think they need massive changes. I think they just have to tweak it a little bit. Yeah. I think it will. Like if they keep ice low and give them AP2 back and, I don't know, maybe just give them fly again. I mean, the the, the discipline 7 is, is a big hit. All, all, you don't have, you know, frenzy to worry about. Yeah. Still. I mean, being superno with discipline 7 isn't great, but you can still take your general's leadership and you're still rocking. 9 and 10. Uh, admittedly, these guys traditionally don't fight within the bubble because they're the ones going off and fighting. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you're taking, you could take a really aggressive idealist in this book with like characters on the bulls and lots of really mobile fighty stuff, and which really matter because you've got the bull. Yeah. But, That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think these guys have been hit really hard in this book, and I think their traditional kind of point of being one of the common faces in idealists is probably under threat. Okay, so moving on to the other new entry is the Kadim Chariot. So these are 235 points, single models, you can have three per army. Uh, standard, large, uh, 50 by 100 mil base. You are advanced 6, March 6, discipline 9. They come with the contract-driven special rule, which is the same rule that the mounts gets for the characters, which is field charge rules, are re-rollable. They come with fear, which is nice. They get Infernal Brand and Swiss Stride. Uh, four health points, defensive skill three, res five. They come with a five-up armor and a five-up Aegis, and they also get the two-plus Aegis. You've got two acolytes of Luger riding this bad boy. Each have two attacks, offensive skill 4, shrimp 4, AP 2, agility 3. The Kadeem Beast is same as before, three attacks, offensive skill 3, shrimp 5, AP 1, agility 4. Gets battle focus and volcanic embrace. And you get D3 plus 1, shrimp 5, impact hits uh, at AP 2. Uh, you can also take paired weapons for free. So you've actually got six attacks from the crew, offensive skill, which is pretty good. Or you can give them great weapons for 15 points. What do you think of this? Uh, so contract-driven shit name. I've already... It's <laughs> a, a very point, important point. That's, that's my uh, key contribution. We're going to keep on top of this. <laughs> I mean, you listen to other podcasts for critical analysis. You listen to us for cool points. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, yes. they're, they're cheap, right? So They are cheap. They're five points more expensive than a warrior chariot, which is an interesting, that is interesting, an interesting comparison. comparison. Yeah. They're both res 5. This has a 5-up armor, whereas the Warrior 1 has a 3-up armor. 
Um, it's offensive and defense isn't as good because the warrior one is uh, four attacks, offensive skill five, strength five because they've got halberds. Right. Um, what this is giving you that the other one doesn't give you is the standard five up ages at all times yeah. and the inbuilt rerolls that you can't get on a warrior chariot. Um, yeah. And you get the uh, volcanic embrace. Not as many impact hits, but you get them at the same strength. I can't see you not making the great weapons on the uh, the crew. Because mm. then you're four, four six, six attacks, yeah. Um, which helps it stick around, and it's still then only 250 points. Um, one thing I did think about this is that it actually combos quite nicely with uh, Vassal units. Because it's slow, this is going to be a counter-charge model. It's not necessarily going to be front and centre. It's going to be on the periphery, you know, creating that bow in the field. Mm. Um so if you've got it next to a vassal unit, that vassal unit's then got the battle focus and reroll charges. Yeah, that's so nice. That, that's quite a cool weevil. Um, I think they'll see play because they're cheap. Yeah, but, they're they are cheap. I think they're, they're, they're not great. I would say. I think I think they're probably pointed bang on. I don't think um, because they are different from the warrior one. Argu- I don't think they're arguably better or worse. I think they're just I think for being about the same point cost. I think it's probably fine. Yeah. Um, but no, I like that. I think that's good. You can have three of them as well, and they're not expensive, so I think that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's a, like you say, it's a nice complement. An infantry-heavy list, which, by exactly, the looks of things, yeah. is going to be fairly standard for this book. So I think they're cool. And again, it's a cool modeling thing, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's another option for the, the Infernal Bastion, which you know, it just gives people another thing to do. Another cool yeah. thing. So, yeah. Thumbs up there. Cool. So moving on to the Torok units. Right. So which these are also special. Yeah, you like these guys. So we've got the two Torok units, same as before. We've got the, the little enforcers. So I'll I'll walk through the enforcers. Yeah. Um, so So the, sorry, before before you kick off, I'll do the honors. Enforcers, shit name. It's a shit name. It's a shit name. Anointed's better. Anointed is good. I I like anointed. That's cool. Enforcers, crap. Yeah, bad bad name. <laughs> Um, right, so Torque Enforcers. So these guys are your standard beasts, um, 25 by 50, same as they were before. Um, they start off 185 points with 24 uh, unit size 5 to 12, four units per, or up to 4 units per army, and they score. They are Advanced 714, Discipline 9. They come with the Infernal brand. Uh, tall, same as 4. Um, one health, offensive, defensive, four, strength, four, resistance, four. They come with the infernal armor and they have an inbuilt armor one, so uh, three of armor. They can't be stomped despite being standard. Uh, they've got two attacks, uh, AP one, agility two, and they come with impact hit, which is cool. Um, and then for their options, you can give them shields for three points per model, a blunderbuss. What? <laughs> Still, no one's taken blunderbusses. <laughs> Uh, for six points per model, and that's the reason why. Uh, aim score four. Um, and then they can also take pair weapons for one point, great weapon for three points, or infernal weapons for five points. Uh, full command, and they can take enchantments with no limit on their standards. These are cool. Yeah, I like these as well. I think you can do men's units for pretty respectable mobile scoring, or even taking units of ten as a, a chunkier, um, grindy option. Um, I think before they only got to a two plus armor on the charge. I think it yeah, was they have a conditional, yeah. Whereas now you just pay for shields and you've always got a two up armor. 
So res 4 to a farmer, um, get into strength 5 at 2 attacks. Um, you, can, you can do that for less than 450 points. I think that's really good. I mean, I don't think, I mean, we've talked about this before, I don't think cavalry are, are in a good state in the game generally. Um, but these guys are very competitively priced compared to other cavalry. So even if you give them the shield and the infernal weapon, mm -hmm. uh, so they'll be 2 up armor, strength 5 all the time. Um, it's only another 8 points, so the 32 points a model, um, yeah. where a lot of knights are 50 points plus in the game. So they're coming in a category. Um, but like you say, I think the big thing for these guys is going to be cheap mobile scoring. Because 185 is a very reasonable price point to begin with. And they're still decent in combat with a decent save. So yeah. they're not going to be by light cavalry or anything like that. Yeah, I think I think they're good. And obviously they synergize well with the, the Toric Ritual upgrade. Exactly, yeah. So you can so have you your could, Shamut guy in there. You could have a you could have a pretty good well considered character, or you could have your wizard in there for a fairly resilient mobile. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think they're really cool. Um, and then we've got the big ones, the Toric Anointed. Yes, so these guys rock in at 300 points base for three. You can take up to six for 90 points plus settles. Um, so these are kind of similar to the Kadims and that, that's zero to three units per army, up to 12 models per army. Uh, the large beasts, they're on the 50 by 75 mil base size. Advanced seven, March 14. So they're slower than uh, Discipline nine though, which is good. These ones cause fear, they come with Infernal Brand, and they also score. Um, these guys are three wounds each, defensive skill five, res five. We don't get the inbuilt armor save, or the, the inbuilt plus one armor that the enforcers do. But they come with the four up, which is very good. And they have three attacks, offensive skill five, strength five, AP two, agility three. They also have impact hits, and they get the Shemut's Thunder special rule, which is special attack. If the model's unit has at least one full rank, and there is a model in the rank directly behind it in the same file, its impact hits cause an additional hit. While joined to the unit, the Torah Commissioner smooths thunder. So it's kind of like the impact hits for ogres. Yeah, same and mechanic. That, yeah, you get an additional impact hit if you've got a second full rank, or the model in the front rank gets an additional impact hit if there's someone behind them. So if you had a unit of five with the, with the character, rather, then everyone in the front would be getting two impetus. Yeah. So these are pretty good, I think. Um, you can get shields on for model. They can take paired weapons for five points, great weapons for 10, and infernal weapons for 15. Full commands and banner enchantments are also available. So I think these guys are good as well. Um, Discipline 9, pretty mobile. The March on is good, but they're beasts, so they do come with just stride at advanced 7. Shields for a 3-up. And because you're strength 5 base as well, give them infernal weapons for strength 6. Yeah. So you're striking at agility 3. So on the turn, you're 4, so you're probably going to be going same time, if not before, than a lot of other monsters. I think these guys are quite good. Yeah, so the, the March, they're March 12, as opposed to March 14, right? So they're a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like... We, these. This was the unit we, we were talking a lot about before we started recording. But when I was looking at it, personally, like the three-man units jumped out at me. Um, you give them either the paired weapons, five attacks each, uh, or you give them great weapons uh, for three strength seven attacks. Um, and both of those are good. But the paired weapons, they become very good 
mobile scorers. Uh, and then with the great weapons, they're really good at taking out mods. Because obviously they're largely, the monsters aren't getting their uh, stomps. And their stats mean most monsters will be hitting them in fours, maybe winning them in threes. Um, yeah. They're just, yeah. And they get their impact hits on top of that. Yeah. I think they're, they're good. They're advanced seven still. So, and then, you know, it's going to be fairly balanced between most monsters. Yeah. So you can set off and it can be a little bit more dicey. I think I think you're right. The small units are, are very appealing. I think even a larger unit of five, I think is a good option as well. So I priced a unit of five with shields and infernal weapons with command at 665 points. And I think if you compare it to something like a chosen knight unit, I think they compare pretty well. Um, five, your strength six. Yeah. So you're, you've, it's kind of like the best of both worlds, whereas with the chosen knights, you've got to choose one or the other. Yeah. And a more archaic. Good comparison between them again. Yeah, and you've got Infernal Armor, so you've got Age of Saves against Flaming, so Alchemy is not as good against you. Um, Discipline 9 as well is very good. You cause fear. You know, it's for a big unit, I don't think it's breaking the bank either. Especially if you're running mint-sized stuff in core and elsewhere where you're only spending maybe 300-odd points if you want to bring multiple units of mm. uh, dwarves with like guns and stuff, so... I think, again, I think it's cool. It, it, it kind of just promotes a slightly different playstyle than just going the gunline route. Yeah. So I, I think it's nice. I think even the units of four, where they're a bit more threatening in combat, uh, you're still talking like 450 points for the unit once you give them the equipment. is very Yeah, very for sure. Like, I, think, I think paired weapons is a good option if you just want them to grind against infantry. Yeah. Because most infantry is not going to go through them. Yeah, and then I, I just like... If you compare them to the the Kadim, like mm. they're actually faster than Kadim. Don't get the tunneling rule, but okay, whatever. They get impact hits. They hit harder. They're more resilient. I don't. I think that yeah. I personally, I'd be taking these guys over the Kadim there. Yeah, and they I think score. They're killer. Yeah. Which Just is awesome because cool. yeah, there's lots of cool model options for these guys. So. Leaving the talk there, um, we have next my most hated unit in the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is interesting. This is onto the Lamasu Scholar. So take it away, Andrew. Okay. Release the salt. So this guy is three hundred points. <laughs> I'd like to be like this guy is a cunt. <laughs> this guy is a dick. No, so well he is a dick, but we'll get onto why he's a dick. Um, he is three hundred points. He is a single model. You can only take one of them per army. Thank fuck. Uh, you're already fifty by fifty. Um, and he shares the the fly category in, in the, uh, the sorry the fly restriction in the army book, which is zero to two. Um, he's ground and fly movement six twelve nine. Um, he's got the infernal brand light troops, uh, and he's got his main thing is called Riddle of the Lamasu. Uh, but before I get there, the rest of his stats are four health points, defensive offensive four, resistance five. He's got the infernal armor uh, and a regeneration of five plus, which is a strange combination. Because it means that he's got regen five plus or an Aegis five plus, yeah. So, um, he's got two. So he's got a rider, which is a student. I don't like Lamasu scholar. I mean, he's you would think it's the Lamasu, right? That's doing the magic, but it's a sh- yeah shit. Rethink that, lads. Um, so there's a student rider with two attacks, strength uh, offensive four, strength three, AP zero, agility two, an infernal web, so strength four. 
Um, and the Lamas itself is two attacks, offensive four, strength five, AP two, agility four, with two attacks. So this is not a combat threat, really. Um, but it's still fight enough that, again, it's not going to get bullied by Light Calf. But the reason you take it is for its rule. So the Riddle of the Lamasu. The model is a Wizard Adept that selects two spells from Word of Iron, Alchemy, Breath of Corruption, uh, Occultism. I'm getting so enraged I can't even speak. <laughs> Sorry, right. Word of Iron, Alchemy, Breath of Corruption, Occultism, Flaming Swords, Pyromancy, and the Wheel Turns Witchcraft. All very good spells. This rule overrides the normal spell selection connected to being a wizard adept, the model does not perform casting attempts as normal. Apply the following rules instead. Number one. Deep breath. Secretly choose which spell to cast. The model can cast can only cast non-boosted variants. This selection must be done in a way that allows you to reveal what spell it was. So for example, you place a card face down on the table. Step two, you roll the magic dice as normal, declare if the casting attempt was successful or not. If failed, reveal the spell which was uh, which you're attempting to cast. If passed, the opponent may perform a dispelling attempt as normal without knowing what spell was cast. If the spell is dispelled, reveal the spell which was uh, which was being attempted. Step three, if the spell was successfully cast, reveal which spell it was, then choose the spell's targets. If it was a spell with occultism, you may then perform the sacrifice. I despise this. I th- there was, I read something on the forum that this is one of the things that people saw when it was leaked, and they were like, "Oh, it's too situational. You know, it's quite expensive for what it does." I think this is really strong. It's one, it's really strong, and two, it's not fun. So I think it's really strong because you do this first. All those spells are good. And no matter the matchup, those are you're gonna have good um, things to target with the spells. And um, so you cast this for your magic phase, and you basically bully the magic phase from there on out, because then your opponent doesn't know what spell you're casting. And as we all know, the magic phase basically comes down to which one of the spells your opponent's gonna to prioritize to stop. So it allows you to bully the magic phase. And two, I don't think this is conducive to fun gameplay. I think it's just fucking shit. Can you imagine playing against this? <laughs> I honestly, so, I despise so this. So, full disclaimer, full disclaimer, I had to leave to take a piss when you... <laughs> <laughs> still going when you came back. And I knew when I left, I was like, you're still going to be talking, so it's going to be fine. <laughs> so I, I left when you were going through the spell choice. And right. I back for when you said it was too situational. So, I think part of me really likes this entry, because it's so unique and different. But the other half of me completely agrees with you, and is like, this will not be fun to play against. No. Be- because you're right. The magic phase is... It's, it, it's a tricky phase to get right. And at high competitive play, I can see really good players abusing the fuck out of this. Because you're going to have a master in the list. And especially yeah. if you've got a master on Ashrock, like, the potential synergies is, are bananas. Being able to switch between the attribute spells of um, Pyro and Alchemy. So if, if this was me... I mean, you're right, four of those spells are good. I would always just word of iron and flaming swords. Because now I'm giving things flaming and I'm making things flammable. Plus, I'm giving my stupidly elite, well, not elite, but stupidly well-armored units potentially plus two armor or plus one to wound. So, like, those two spells alone are amazing. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm kind of torn with this. Like, stat-wise, I think it's interesting, like, and in terms of 
disappointed. Like, this is kind of Elmore. Because the Hellmore was such a unique thing for the book. That that's gone through massive point changes from how when that was originally released. 300 points for this right now, I think it's a fucking bargain. Yeah, I agree. Like, interestingly, the, 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 the other thing that this reminds me of is the Battle Shrine. Because the Battle Shrine is 285 points. The, 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 I mean, in terms of how survivable it is, it's almost on par. The Battle Shrine has a better armor save um, Aegis all the time. Yeah. Um, this is giving you uh, more spells and shenanigans. So I think it sp- speaks more to the, the, the kind of the strength and magic that the book whereas the Battle Shrine is more about being tanky and just, you know, just a little bit more magic on the side. This is quite unique. So I think 300 points for how it's written just now is probably too cheap. And either it's not... For all that, on the one hand, I think, oh, it's really cool because it's different. But I think it's going to be shit to play against. Yeah. So that's going to be fucking target priority one. <laughs> because on the fucking... Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> no, you're not scared of it. combat. It's I mean, just, it's strong, it's just, like... Yeah, like, the potential synergies in the in the book right now in terms of making things flammable and giving things flaming and how that interacts in combat and with shooting. Like, I think this is... I think this is really good. I think it's really strong. And for 300 points, I think it's a fucking steal. Yeah. I mean, if you took took away the shenanigans with the secret cast, which is my main issue with it, it then become... I mean, you still get four good spells, but 300 points for that is expensive, I think. So it, it needs something to be in that category, but I would agree. I think 300 points for what it is just now is amazing because it just lets you bully the magic phase in an army where the magic phase is already incredibly strong, especially with the Asherok setup. Yeah, I think if I think if you were to keep it to two spells from that selection, I think you could maybe drop it slightly in points and not give it anything else. Yeah. If you, you can get 208 points. Okay, it's not quite as tanky, but it's still fairly resilient. You've still got four wounds at res 5 with a good armor save and a regen. Yeah. Plus you fly, so you're very mobile, albeit only 612, but, you you know, you should you should be able to keep that model out of harm's way if you need to. Yeah. But I would, if they take that away, I think they, they would be better to give it something that is unique to the army and is unique to that model. But I don't know what it would be. I think, as an opportunity, this unit entry should be something to give the book something new and different. My first, my, my first question that, though, is that it's very, very... Especially if you've got a master. And especially if you've got a master of Asherok on the list. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, but I think that is potentially broken. Yeah. I cannot see that coming one of the most hated models in the game. If it survives in the way it is just now, but I mean, I would, I would be very interested to read the play de- testing data from Sandy. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's for all I had a play testing. I have joined at a point where this is all being done. I have, like no idea what people think of this. There you go. You see how I set you up there to get yourself out of bother when people respond. <laughs> yeah, got your back. Dodge. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, like it's, it's not even something that I've seen mentioned on the forums, like oh, I wonder what people think of this when it comes out type of thing. So I don't know if people just think it's kind of meh 
And maybe it will be, but now I'm just like, wow, that seems really, really strong. Yeah. Okay, so we'll leave them there. Um, I fucking hate it. <laughs> okay, so Vassal Cav. Moving on, next entry. Moving on. So these are um, your kind of default chaff, fast cav type unit. So you can take two per army list. They come at 170 points for five models. You can take up to 15 in a unit for 15 points per extra. They are movement 8, advanced 16, discipline 7, feigned flight, light troops, vanguard 6, I'm just favourite. They are one health point, defensive skill 4, res 3. They come with armor 1 and light armor and shields. So, 4 up armor for a fairly fast, maneuverable chaff piece. Decent. Which is actually very good. That's flare territory. Um, <laughs> Hackles are. Well, they're not as fast. They are different. Um, they've got the case 6 inch vanguard, the same as theirs do. But they've, they've kind of got that interest in they're only res 3, but they still get a 4 up armor. Despite being as fast yeah. and manoeuvrable as they are, so I think they're quite good. Um, the rider is one attack, offensive three, agility four, so that's pretty fast. Uh, they come with oil skins, bows with aim four plus, and a light lance, which is stupid good. And the steeds are two attacks, offensive skill three, strength three, AP one, agility three. Take musicians and standard bearers. Mm-hmm. You can also upgrade the champion to the vassal chieftain. Yeah, for thirty points. So, you get quite a lot, actually, for the, for the base cost. I mean, the fact that you get oil skins, bows, and light lamps. Yeah, so I I read this, and I was like, oh, they're really good. I wonder what they were like in the previous edition. Um, mm. So, they're they're 25 points more expensive in this edition. Right. But they've got all the that they could take before. Right. Are they conditional? Like, you couldn't take both? Or could you take all of the ones you they've could, got? You could, but it was just, like, points per model. Right, okay. Um, so, do you know if that works out to be cheaper? Overall now, or is it about the same? That's an incredible question, Paul. But I'm notes only say twenty five <laughs> points more. Depth. So I let your imagination play wild with the possibility. Yeah, no, but I think um, I think they're good. I th- the fact they have oil skins, I think, is them. I mean, one hundred points isn't massive anyway. From the infernal dwarf community perspective, I personally would have been upset if I was playing that much more for something that's still calf. Um, but the fact they've got oil skins means they can be very useful chaffing that you can chaff stuff and still shoot it to make flammable, uh, mm-hmm. to make it flammable rather. Um, and then I guess the, the Vassal Chieftain option is interesting because then it means that you could do things like the faint flight on your general's leadership and rally and things. So I, I think these are these are just solid. I think they're good. So interestingly, shields, bows, and light lances were only one point per model before, so it would have been three points per model for all three of those upgrades. And they were uh, 15. So, they were, so before they were, so before they were actually movement nine, March eighteen, and they were one hundred thirty-five points base for five. So a minimum size unit would have cost you one hundred forty-five points. So the one hundred seventy points, you've lost some movement, but you've gained oil skins and plus one discipline. Plus one discipline. But you've lost the six inches on your vanguard because it's a shit rule. So I guess they're trying to. That's where the variation is coming, and they're trying to point for this ability to give things flammable. Yeah. Which but, I, I mean, I, I can't say anyone. I think that's that's. You're going to take two units, right, for chaff? At least, yeah, well, yeah, at least yeah. one unit, probably two units. Um, and they're 
they're chaff, but they still contribute to the main fighting force of the army because of the yeah. old skins. So, yeah. Cool. Maybe take a third unit as a bunker that can dump Vassal Conjurer, dude. Uh, so you're limited to two units, though, aren't you? So if you're doing that, you're using one as chaff and one as a bunker, which is still, you know, totally fine. Yeah, that's fair. I guess you can always... Does the Vassal mount come with Vanguard? Yes, it comes with Vanguard. Okay, cool. So you could... You could deploy them together, but vanguard them separately. So he could actually leave the unit if he needed to use them as chaff. Yep, exactly, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think it particularly hurts your Russ, um, wizard with pyro. Just mm-hmm. keep him dead cheap and just have that as like a mobile pyro shooting platform. That might yeah. have some legs. I know orcs and goblins can do something very similar. Um, I mean, you can also, um, you can eat banners. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you could spend 30 points and give them as emrays too. Yes. Yeah. Just protect them a little bit more, because then they're still four up armor as well. That's cool. So yeah, they're cool. I like them. Yeah. So uh, next up is the Vast Slingshot. Shit name. <laughs> okay, so this is a single model construct, sixty mil round base. You can have two of them. They're only one hundred and ten points. They do contribute towards the fires of industry, so they're eating into your war machines. Um, they are five wounds at risk four. They've got a six up save from their light armor and they are flammable. Lol. Um, <laughs> they have three attacks from the crew. Offense got three, strength three. Who cares? It's not by our. They have mover fire and they have facile slingshot aim four up. So this is a. So you can fire it in two ways. So you can fire it as a bolt thrower. So 40 inch range. It's one shot at strength six or small hit strength three. AP 10, area attack one times five, multiple. So. 110 points for a bolt thrower. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, or you can use it as an oil flask thrower, which is a 36-inch range. You get three shots, strength one, AP zero. The target unit gains one instance of incendiary every successful hit. So even if you hit it three times, it gets three tokens. Even if you hit it once with like a flaming shot from something, it, it would lose all three tokens. It doesn't retain, it doesn't retain any, so... Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's um, 110 points for making shit flammable. It's pretty good. Yeah, so it's 15 points more expensive than the like the Hobgoblin Ballista, the previous iteration. Um, mm-hmm. But you're getting the oil cask thrower. And I think that's a fair trade for 15 points. Because again, it's just another... It's quite a dynamic piece because obviously you, you can use it as the, just the bolt thrower, but um, if there's like a key combat coming up and you need to make that unit flammable, you just sacrifice it and you fire it. And yeah, it, like it's um, three shots. You're gonna hit one, and that's all you need. Yeah, that's it. You don't even need to roll to wound, so it's uh, worth it. It seems to be the case that I think more armies are, are talking to. If you can bring three super cheap bolt throwers, you should. So it's quite common to see that on like the um, KOE or um, Orcs and Goblins. Yeah. And it just keeps, like, flying shit honest. Yeah, totally. Cool. So, moving on. So, this is us getting into the proper war machine territory now. Yeah, so there's going to be overlap between the weapons we talked about at the start, so we won't go back over them, but there's there's obviously and things which we need to talk about. So, first up is the gunnery teams. So, 155 points, single model, you can have 0 to 3 per army. And remember, of the weapon options, so the Nafa Thrower, the Titan Mortar, and the Rocket Barry are 0 to 2 per type. So, you could have two Nafa Throwers and one Rocket Barry, for example. Um, they're Advanced 3 9, Discipline 9, 
four health points, defensive one, res four. They've got the infernal armor, uh, two attacks, offensive four, strength three, AP zero, agility two. Again, they've got march and shoot and quick to fire. Um, they are fires of industry one, so they count towards that. Uh, they've got the infernal brand, um, but the main thing is that they can take uh, an Nava Thrower for free, a Titan Mortar for free, or a Rocket Battery for 25 points. And they have the Cumbersome Rule. So that means that um, they may only perform a single pivot or wheel during the month. It may only declare a hold reaction as a voluntary charge reaction. And the strength and armor piercing of its artillery weapon is reduced by minus one, including the value in brackets. And then which option it chooses. Um, you can then get a choice of the Kadim Manifestations, the Cluster Munitions, and the Ether Cloud at varying costs. So, for example, the Nafa Thrower um, gets the Kadim Manifestations option for free. It can take Cluster Munitions for 5 points, or it could take the Ether Points. And the same goes for, you know, the, the, the Mortar and the Rocket Barrier. Um, each one has a free option, and then the other two are 5 points, with the exception of the Rocket Barrier with the Kadim Manifestation, which goes up to 10 points. And that's simply to stop um, it being... You know, super killy against cowboys and uh, single models that rely on Aegis. Um, I think the cumbersome rule could have been written a bit clearer. What do you think of it overall? Do you think everyone's just going to be taking three of these? Or do you think people are going to be taking maybe two or maybe only one because they're going to want the artillery instead? Like, is it just going to be placed all dependent? What do you think? You can depend on the playstyle. I mean, these have the massive advantage that they're manoeuvrable. Yeah. Um, over war machines. Um, but akin to something like the Vermin Swarm. Yeah. Ones. I think I really like the Nafa Thrower. I think everyone will be drawn to the Rocket Battery. Um, because even on the gunnery teams, they're strength 5. D3 wounds. 4 shoulders. I mean, if you take 2 of these, 6 strength 5, you know, they'll drop monsters. Would you I, take that on a gunnery team, or would you take that on the artillery, though? Because um, I quite like the, the look of the flamethrowers as well, but I'd, I could see the flamethrowers being more useful on a gunnery team artillery piece. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So, the main, I guess it makes sense to talk about the... So, you can yeah, take gunnery teams, or you can take the infernal artillery. Um, so, the infernal artillery can't move at all. They're advanced zero, march zero. Um, they count as two points for the fires of industry. Um, they're War Machines, Large Constructs, uh, Infernal Brand, 5 health points, Resistance 4, Defense 1. They've got the Infernal Armor, um, 3 attacks, Strength 3, Offensive 4, no one gives a shit. Yeah, baby. And they come with a base plate, which um, extends the maximum range of the artillery weapon by 6. Um, if it's a Nafa Thrower or a Titan Mortar, and by 12 if it's a Rocket Battery. So the Rocket Battery goes up to 36. And the number 24 and the R2 weapon is to something large. Yeah, remember. And it's accurate, so you're not screwing for the fact that you're shooting it at longer range. Yeah. I guess I guess the big limiter, though, is that it counts as fires of industry 2 rather than 1. So the, the compromise is if you do want to like take multiple rocket batteries, they're limited. If you want the, the range and the accurate to, yeah. to bring to bringing less, which is a good compromise. Um, yeah, so the cost for the. Our, Infernal Artillery is 160 points as opposed to 155 for the Gary teams. Um, Nafa Throw is a free upgrade. Um, the Titan Mortar is 75 points and the Rocket Battery is 80. Yeah, yeah both with the name score of 4+. Four, four so that's um, 55 points more expensive per Rocket Battery if you don't want to hit the batteries. Yeah. So it's get quite pricey. 
Uh, so yeah, I think that the, I mean all three options are good. I think. Good. Like we were saying this before, I think it's just a case of rock paper scissors, right? Yeah, and it will depend about how you create the rest of the list. What do you want to be good at? Like I think the the rocket batteries are good against monsters, like single models. But if you're worried about blocks, then I think the other two options are just better. I just like the reliability of flamethrowers. Yeah, and the fact that the Infernal Lord variant is multi-wound. Yeah, and you can give them the clone munitions. Stonery teams, you've got a range 18 flamethrower. So say there's a block and it's got maybe something like flying chaff behind it. So that's really common for like vampires and uh, demon legions, uh, hairs with gargoyles and furies and stuff. So you shoot the block with a flamethrower, you do damage because flamethrowers are good at killing the block, and then the cluster munitions hits the chaff behind them. Yeah, um, and even just having two of these, and if you've got an army that has to fight in bubble, like empire or vampires or something, or, or vermin swarm, where you're hitting blocks and you're just doing cluster damage, on top of the fact that you've got a very effective biro magic phase, if you want, it's like it's mental. And if you take the Kadim manifestation on the the math throwers, the free. App, which is free, um, demon legions. Yeah, it's very good. But the rockets are very good as well. I think the, yeah. the two big ones, but I mean, the Titan Motor is still good. Still good. You can take up to six pieces of equipment with the fires of industry. So you can take two rocket batteries with infernal artillery for four, and then you could still take two nap throwers yeah. with Kadeem Manifestation for free on the gunnery teams. And then your come bases. Yeah, it's very strong. And then you've still got all your small arms fire in core, and you've got pyro if you want it. Yeah. With the ability to make shit flammable if you're bringing like <laughs> other stuff, it's insane, right? You can, yeah, the, the amount of ranged pressure this army can put out now is very impressive. Yeah, nasty. Um, so uh, we'll leave it there for the artillery and move on to instruments of destruction. Yeah, man. So first up is the Infernal Engine, the old pain train. Mm -hmm. So this is 400 points. It's uh, up to two per army. Gigantic construct on a 60 by 100 base. You are on six, marks 10, discipline nine. Comes with fearless fires of industry two. So if you do want to bring um, multiple artillery pieces, then this is going to be potentially the kind of balancing act. But there is an option here that reduces this. If need. Um, it gets the full steam ahead. Um, and Furnace Breach Special Rule comes with Infernal Brand and Unbreakable. Six health points, rest seven, with a three up armor save, defensive skill one. There's three crew, so you've got three attacks. Offensive skill four, strength three, AP two, no one gives a fuck, we're not here for the crew. Um, chassis, strength six, AP three, agility two, so they're doing D3 grinds, and they also do D6 plus one impact hits. So the full steam ahead special rule. The model may only perform a single pivot or wheel during a march move. If the model is charging, it must pursue or overrun if possible. If the model is not charging, its pursuit distance is always zero. Furnace Breach Special Rule. Instead of rolling on the misfire table as normal, apply the following misfire effects. So on a two or less, the model may not shoot its artillery weapon or perform march moves until the end of the game. In addition, the chassis gains... Volcanic Embrace 3. So, that's mental. You, on a 3+, plus, the model loses 1 plus health point uh, with no saves allowed. 
There are various options you can take on this now. So there's the new Rock Crusher, which is free. Uh, you can take a Naphtha Thrower for 30 points, a Titan Mortar for 40 points, or the Rocket Battery for 80 points, and each option is only 0 per 1 units per army. So if you're taking two of these, you can't double up. You've got to take different variants. Um, so the Rock Crusher option, uh, the number of chassis grind attacks is increased by plus 2d3. The model gains parry and loses fires of industry. So if you, you're not eating into your artillery budget. Yeah. Um, there is also the Steel Juggernaut Universal Rule. The model's base size is changed to 100 to 150 mil base size. The model gains plus one health point and loses quick to fire. The chassis attack value and offensive skill are set to three, and the model's defensive skill is set to three. Um, so, yeah, you can either be rolling around shooting at people, or you can just be ramming into shit. Yeah. So the Steel Juggernaut's only available for the shooting variants. You can't take that on the... Uh, yeah. Um, the rock crusher, which is fine because you get parry anyway. Like maybe not yeah. a big difference. Res seven parry sickable is bananas. That seems really fucking good. Like, yeah. like, yeah, I how does that make sense though for that to have parry? I don't know. It's <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> like, why does it for? I mean, this, the design team and the background team are so stringent about realism in a, in a lot of areas where it doesn't matter and it's counterproductive to what they're trying to do. And then to give that parry seems fucking stupid. But Yeah. Why does it... Why parry? Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of gameplay, um, that Rock Crusher is amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, the big thing is that the Inferno is 0 to 1. So you can now take two of them. Um, yeah. it's lost the random move element and it doesn't have swift stride so it's it's definitely less manoeuvrable it's still an absolute beast especially the yeah. rock crusher um, and actually I don't know about the shooting variant because it's lost the shrapnel guns mm-hmm. so the shrapnel guns used to be amazing uh, the, the furnace breach is really scary if you're paying 80 points for something like the rock battery because you pay that 80 points you roll two ones you've misfired yeah and then on a roll or two, you've lost your shooting weapon. Yeah. And you're getting a uh, right, though. It's the volcanic embrace that's not the... So you've still not D6 or D3 um, grinds from the, the chassis. You get three D3, strength 4, AP 0. Like, if you're going to go shooty, just take take the uh, the gunnery teams or the infernal um, artillery. But the rock pressure is amazing for... Can you, see many, can you see many lists bringing to... Engine? Because of the, the cap, 0 and 1, uh, on your options, potentially, I don't know. Um, I think that the Rock crush, the rock Crusher variant will be popular. Um, I think it's, it's it's like one of these things, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like the Stankin Empire, right? Like You can bring, a, in this case, a Res 7 model with Unbreakable, then that in and of itself is tempting. Yeah. And because, like, all your... So your Nafa Throwing Forge... Sorry, Titan Forge. Uh, Titan Mortar and Rocket Battery, they're still 0 to 2 for the army overall. So you can't have, like, two gunnery teams with Nafa Throwing and a Nafa Thrower. Hmm. So there's that overall restriction which stops... Yeah, spam. Yeah, stops, stops you spamming the like, Nafa Throwers or whatever. 
But I think what you'll probably see is a lot of people take the one, the Rockshire, and then they'll take artillery stuff. Yeah. Or the gunnery teams. Yeah. So overall, what do you think? For 400 points for the Rock Crusher, very strong. I like it. I think people yeah. will be a little bit butthurt about the fact that it's lost the... Um, shrapnel guns? The shrapnel guns and the random movement. Mm. Um, but I think it's still good. Yeah, I mean, I guess there'll be some people that'll be like, okay, it's not random anymore. It's a little bit more predictable. That'll appeal to some. Yeah. The fact it's fairly low, though. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, it's... Did you say it's lost for straight? Yeah, it's it has lost for straight. It's not in the model rules. It doesn't automatically give you it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's still like... You, you don't really want that ramming into you, right? So the, the fact that you know it does impact hits and that many grinds is, that's unbreakable. Yeah. Like, there's going to be very few things that can actually one-shot that, right? So it's still going to zone very well. Yeah, really good at countering monsters. Because mm. you just keep moving towards the monster. <laughs> and it doesn't really want to charge you because parry and 3D3 strength six <laughs> grinds. Yeah. Either, so. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, what's your thoughts on the Steel Juggernaut? Upgrade because they've done this a couple of times. They did it in the demon book with the chariots, where you got different base sizes. Like, is this? Uh... It's gonna annoy the fuck out of some people just yeah, from the like, perspective. Modeling opportunities, but it's just a pain in the arse, no? It is. I guess it, the upshot is the more they do it, the more people will factor this into the model and thing. I mean, it's it's not so hard to go from a small to a big base as mate, like a kind of insert. Yeah. Um, gaining one plus one health point. Um. I guess it's nice because it kind of helps you against the misfire thing when you can potentially lose one health point. Um, you're not 20 points right there. I mean, your defensive skill is now set to three, so when you're in combat, less things are hitting you on threes or twos. I don't know. It's kind of meh. Yeah. I mean, they could quite easily just not have it and it would have been fine. Yeah, I agreed. It, like you know, you could pay for it, and it would be bigger, bigger base size and plus one health point, and that would be it. Yeah. Point it appropriately, and then move on. Like, um. Okay. So yeah, moving on, Infernal Bastion. So we kind of talked about this already. Yeah. It's it's basically the same as the the mount option. Yeah, it, exactly. So two hundred ninety points. Only additionally that we need to flag here is that it doesn't count towards fires of industry. No. Um, the mount one doesn't either, right? So, because the mount one's only available to the engineer guy, and he does, he's one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, but it doesn't. It's not the case that it does, and then therefore it stack fire of industry two because you no, pay one no, character. Yeah, yeah. Um, but two hundred nine points, it's still very cheap. Again, we're not sure whether that's going to be as bent as it reads, but yeah. yeah, wait and see. We'll move on. Well, right, let's go into the Titan because this has gone through quite a big change this as well. It's a tale of woe. Right, I'll take the Titan, because um, I don't know if your um, blood pressure can take it. <laughs> okay, so the Titan is 480 points. He's limited now to... Was he limited? Yeah, you don't take one of them. Okay. So he's advanced 7, March 14, done 8, and Supernal. Uh, he's got 7 hit points at defensive skill 4, rest 6, with a 5-up armor. He gets the 2-up Aegis and the base 5-up Aegis. He's only got 5 attacks now. Defense skill 4, strength 6 at EP2, at agility 4. Uh, they've changed the Searing Rage rule to Searing Heat with Volcanic Embrace 3D, 2D3. So 
the new searing heat rule, the model's grind attacks from volcanic embrace gain plus one to wound, which is good. In addition, enemy units suffer minus one armor while in base contact with the model. It's cool as a rule. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. So compared to what he was like before, he's 80 points cheaper now, yeah. which is good. But he's also slower. He was 816 before, so he's gone down to 714. He's got an additional health point, which is good, but he has minus one attack and minus two offensive skill. He's lost battle focus and frenzy, um, which I guess is fine because you only have frenzy because, well, you only have battle focus generally because you are frenzied, so I guess it swings and roundabouts. Um, I guess the big thing that hurts him though is because he's lost battle focus and he's lost the base one attack and he no longer generates additional attacks from the Searing Rage rule his uh, ability to pump out high strength damage has gone down yeah so I guess it kind of somewhat falls into the Kadeem Incarnate's category of a bit of a shadow of its former self yeah and I think a lot of hardcore ID players will be disappointed yeah, which is a shame because he's kind of iconic, but I agree. Yeah. I think he's been hit hard. He's, um... I mean, what, he... what does the Kadim know that the Infernal Engine doesn't? Yeah, or even the um, Torak Anointed. Yeah. Because, I mean, they can be rocking at Strength 7 if they want it. Yeah. Or Strength 6 if he's given Infernal Weapons. Do you know, like, it's... Yeah... You've got a gigantic model that causes terror. It's discipline eight. You don't have to worry about frenzy, but still, it's just a bit meh. Do you know? Yeah. It's, it's pricey for really what you get, like almost five hundred points. Yeah, I agree. So I think um, I won't be surprised if that gets tweet. Either it'll come down in points, or they'll have to change some of the stats. Yeah. I think. Um, the new hotness. It's a citizen giant. <laughs> All right then. I mean, again, um, you probably agree. Shit name. Shit name, right. Mark that off the list. Yeah. Um, so well, Ed's going to be busy after he's this. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. Not head for, we might not hear from Ed for a while. <laughs> um, so he's a giant, so he's got, you know, base giant stats. Advanced 7, March 14, Discipline 8. The Giant C, Giant Do rule, which for Infernal Dwarves gives him the Infernal um, rule. He's got 7 health points, defense skill 3, he's res 5. He gets plus 1 armor base and Infernal armor, so he's rocking the 3 up armor. Death attacks, defense skill 3, strength 5, AP 2, agility 3 with rage, like every other giant. So the special upgrades he gets are, well, he gets Big Brother and Giant Club, which every giant does. And for Infernal Dwarves, they've given this guy Tower Shield for 30 points and Blessed Maul for 30 points. So it's kind of weird. All the upgrades are the same price. Don't know what yeah. that's all. Um, I don't know if they just want to see what's popular and then they'll adjust points. Yeah, because these upgrades are not equal. No, they're really not. So giant, everyone knows Big Bird and Jack Club does. Tower hold on to your knickers. <laughs> the, the model gains hardcover against attacks from models located in its front arc and distracting against packs from models in front facing. So it's not a shield in that it's giving you plus one armor, but you don't fucking need it because you're three plus base anyway. <laughs> but you have distracting. So everything's pretty much hitting you on fours now. And you're, sorry, 
Yeah, hardcover as well. So how the fuck are you supposed to deal with this from range? Yeah. You also have an Aegis save against Flame because <laughs> you've got... Yeah. Um, so fuck you, Pyro. <laughs> <laughs> this is bananas. Dev, Dev, come back. <laughs> this is like the same... And this is the same price as just giving it plus one strength. This is well better than plus one strength. Yeah. And then the alternative is the Veneb Blessed Maul, which is close. Attacks made from this weapon become flaming attacks and magical attacks. At the start of each friendly player turn, the wielder may choose to lose flaming attacks and its magical attacks. If so, choose a friendly unit within six inches. That unit's close combat attacks become flaming and magical. The effects last until the start of the next player turn. So even if you're worried somehow, somehow, <laughs> you think, how am I going to get flaming attacks on this unit that I really need to be flaming? Just bring a giant and you can just give them it to them. Yeah. So the deal is going to be the default pick. That's what people are going to take. 100%. But even that second one, it's still, it's good, still right? good for yeah. the army. When you're res 5, 3 up armor, with 7 wounds. 130 points. Very good. Too good. Yeah, I think he's going to get changed. That terror shield's mental. Like, he could just stand in front of big blocks of infantry. Yeah. Get his d6 stomp. And, yeah. you know, even if you get a few wounds through, okay, that's some extra attacks. Thanks exactly, very much. Exactly, yeah. So, really fucking good. I like the idea, though. I think the terror shields could got these big armor giants. Yeah, it is. And it's very... um. Fire giants, like the fire giants from like D and D, like a lot of the time they're represented with super heavy armor with massive shields. Like some of them have got like a shield in each hand. And they just like walk around and stand in front of shit and be like, right, come get me, peekaboo. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, this is thematic. So I, I like the idea, but it's just it, they've just jumped the shark a wee bit. I think. Yeah. I think people are going to have way too much fun with that. That's going to get changed for sure. <laughs> too much fun. But um, yeah, that that brings us to the end of the of the book. Oof. That was a, a fucking marathon. Oh, thanks so, for staying with us. Yeah, congratulations, listener, if you're still on board, <laughs> still alive. Um, um, okay, so quickly to uh, a close. So what what do we think in terms of where is this book going to sit in terms of the, the like the power structure of the army books? Um. So stuff in here that I think is very good and certain stuff that I think potentially will be broken and will inevitably be changed or have massive points increases. I don't think the book on the whole is as bad as what we may have initially thought it would be. Yeah. Um, it's going to be probably upper middle or very solid second tier. I don't think it's top tier, but I think it's strong. Yeah. I think it's very solid. Um, it's probably going to take a while for people to work out the best builds, and, you know, they're, they're going to be making changes as we go along, so it's going to be hard to know for sure in the end, but I think just now it's certainly upper half at least, if not top 75%. I don't think it's the top 25%. Like, I don't think it's, like, that good. It's not but kicking think, Vermin and UD off top spot, is it? I think it's the strongest Warriors now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's not far away. I think it's it's very strong. Like, reading the book, my impression of it is they're kind of in a lot of ways. They're less elite, but they're arguably as tanky, but they have shooting to make up for that. Yeah. 
Um, so I think it's, I think it's in a strong place. I don't think it's broken. I don't think it's OP. It will change for sure. Some are mental, but as, on the whole, I don't think it's. I don't think you could say that across the army book that it's OP yeah. or broken. Yeah, I think it's better than mid tier. I think it's going to be strong, um, but I don't think it's it's gone into that top category. I think in terms of especially team tournaments, this is going to be incredibly strong because you can construct this in such a way that they're anti-elf, anti-undead. Yeah. You know, the, the anti-empire. Um, I mean, the shooting's still very good at dealing with armor as well. Yeah. Their shooting's probably better at dealing with armor than their combat is, so I think they can probably do a lot of stuff very well. And if you write your list in that way, you can be you can specialize anti-armor, anti-infantry, you know, anti-special, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, I think that I think they're going to be strong, and I think that uh, the book will change. I think it could need that, so it, it's difficult to say like this is what's going to happen, whatever. But um, I think people maybe got too excited when they first saw the book, including myself, because when I first read the book, I was like, "This is broken as fuck." Um, but I don't think it is. I think it's very strong, but yeah, I don't think it's going to topple, you know, the vermin at the top of the tree, for example. Although yeah, ironically, I, it's very good against vermin. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's got the magic's good, the shooting is good. Their core dwarf troops and elite dwarf troops are fairly tanky. They don't pump out that much damage in combat, so that's where they're going to struggle. But that's the good yeah. balance. I agree. Yeah. Um. So, I think in some ways, like the, the Torah anointed that they have a very good, strong stat line, and you know potentially can act as a good compromise, um, like a good counterpunch to like some shooting lists, but I think they've still got inherent weaknesses that units can take advantage of. Um, things like the Immortals still just look really fucking bent. <laughs> like, yeah. that special rule they've got is insane. The ability to take as many as what you can take with great weapons, base, with is mental. Yeah. With parry and bolt, super strong. I, think I guess... Like you said, though, that it's it's a Death Star thing, though, right? So people exactly, will stay away. Yeah. But the thing is, if you can build a list, and we've not really seen any list yet, so it's going to be hard to say whether this is possible. People list with a massive unit that that you have to stay away from while staying away from the magic that you think at the same time. Yeah, like a proper counterpunch list. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting. Um, right. So before we close up, we've got some questions, yeah. uh, which we can rattle through. So um, we actually received quite a few, which is always lovely. Um, <laughs> it was just surprising. I know, always surprising. <laughs> Um, so we'll start with um, James McDonald's question. So James of Irish ETC fame, uh, also an Inferno Dwarf player. James asks, maybe you can just discuss why they've made the Kadim units boring and it's all about infantry now. The whole dynamic of the army used to be dwarfs with magic, but I imagine it's now going to be mainly infantry with some artillery. Yeah, I don't know if this is just because it's like the first official pass at the book and maybe they decided that they wanted to the focus, whereas before people maybe saw the Kadim units as too much of a crutch to overcome some of the weaknesses. Yeah, potentially. Maybe, maybe gone a bit hard on changing it to make it a little bit more focused on the magic and the dwarves with the shooting rather than these other units. Um, Do you think it's maybe... I mean, have they maybe designed the book so that they're intentionally not great in combat? Because then... Potentially. I mean, that potentially then intrinsically puts units like them in a difficult position because they were in combat units in the book previously yeah maybe I think you can afford I think you could make afford to make them a little bit better in combat but then you just put the points up 
because yeah. then that eats into your shooting elements. And if you're already capping the number that you can take in a list, then that should be enough. I guess it'll just take a bit of time for them to get that right. I mean, they've added a whole... I mean, okay, it's only one more unit entry, but there's a whole other unit entry now that has this Kadeem focus, right? You've got Kadeem Chariot now. Yeah. So whereas before they were three. So I guess you could say, well, on the one hand, they're less um, offensive, but you've got more variety in terms of... So it's not like they're shunning away from it as a theme in the book. It's just maybe they're struggling to balance their role now. And as you say, simply because they've made Torok that little bit more appealing, that's just overshadowing them even more. So I guess it's a balance between your dwarfs, which are fairly elite. You've got your slaves and your vassal on the side of that to bunk covers and to add synergy. You've got the Torok flavor and the Kadim flavor on top of that. So it's just a case of balancing all those different things. So I guess it's going to take them a bit of time. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, LinkedIn that is from uh, Jordan Bladen, who was giving us some fucking sass on Twitter, by the way. Did he actually have a question? I thought it was just sass. It was sass, but he did ask one in, in the months of the sass. Um, All right, I missed the question. The question was, why did they do that to the Titan? Which we've kind of covered, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think the Titan's been hit a bit too hard. Um, I think he needs to be better. Um, and if you need to make him more expensive, then fine. But I think you need to give people... The, the problem, make the rules unattractive. No one's going to use it. So you're not going to get a good basis for playtesting. Yeah. You're not going to you're not going to see I mean the fact that no one takes it will be a bit a big fucking clue but you it's less hard to know what to do with them then because you've got nothing to come to um so yeah I think they need to make him a little bit better and if that means he has to be 500 plus points then fine if he's worth his points then fine but you need to make him attractive cuz just now he's just kind of meh. I'd rather take like the shields <laughs> yeah no totally I think it's quite interesting though, because there's there's always like I think the Titan was like the creme de la creme when it comes to monsters in terms of raw stat power. Obviously, had frenzy, which is an issue, but um, he was, I think he's probably the most fighty monster that there was. And there's always I guess people the folk... who, but sorry, carry. Yeah, there's just there's always people on the forum with these kind of monsters that say, "Give them a nerf in terms of stats and make them cheaper, and I'll take them and things like that." I wonder where those people are going because are people now going to take them that he's a bit cheaper, but his stats are worse. I'm tempted to say no. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's he's um he's not in the same he's not in the same category as the artillery more, but the artillery is cat anyway, so I don't know how much that would factor into how that's going to affect less building. Um, but I don't know. I think like with points in time where like different monsters have been like the best. Yeah. Like I think Gortat at one point were the best, and Rock was the best. So. I, I, things come and go. I think looking at his stat line and looking at where he was, and certainly listening to people who have been playing over years, and you know them talking about what he used to be like, I think he's probably been hit too hard. But I think it's not necessarily been they've gone out their way. I don't think he's necessarily been targeted that way. I don't know if it's just a balancing thing, yeah. and it's just a case of time and getting the right. But I think I think he'll get a change because just now the eighty points cheaper thing isn't enough. Yeah. Um, next question from the one and only Henry P. Miller of Amatime uh, Podcast. Why take any workshop other than Rock? I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't play artillery, but to me, they're they're all they've all got a role. Like, depends on what you want to kill. If you want to kill monstrous stuff for monsters or single models? Yeah, probably rocket batteries are the way to go. But if you're in a meta that sorry meta that doesn't um, have a lot of that kicking about, why would you bring them? If I think it's blocks all the time, why would you take flamethrowers or Titan Mars? 
Uh, no, I think you're right. I think it's the. It's going to depend on what the list is trying to do. I think the rocket battery is definitely strong. Uh, it's cool. Both in the gunnery team and the artillery piece option, actually. I think they're both good. Um, just like flamethrowers. Maybe personal bias. Just interesting. It's going to do with nine page. Um, okay, so next we've got two questions from Kybert. So the first one is, uh, and this actually links into a question from the, the lead Twitter. Um, will ID ever be fun to play against, or are they still just dwarfs with nasty magic and better guns? And that links into Tommy's question, which was, uh, will ID replace Dwarven Holds as the most hated faction? Um, I would say, to, to Tommy's question, I'd say no. Um, despite the book, I think Dwarven Holds is still more frustrating to play against. Um, like, even the the rule book they've got just now, I think there's more bench shit, or just more frustrating shit to play against. I think the benefit we've got of the Infernal Dwarves book right now is that it is still going to likely to change, because they're still trying to get it right. And fuck knows when they're going to change the Dwarven Hold book. Um, and I think Infernal Dwarves will always just be intrinsically cooler than normal dwarves, unfortunately. I agree. Uh, Depending on what they do with the Lamassu. This is it. So, like, there's units like the Lamassu, the Tower Shield Giant, the Infernal Bastion. Like, these are new units that they're trying to do something different with. So, I think that's really good, and I think that's what they need to do. But I think that mechanic is. I think people are either going to love it or hate it. Again, some people hate the fact that warriors have that, and they just don't find it thematic or in keeping with the army and other people absolutely love it so fuck knows what's going to happen if they'll just put the bar they'll change the rule I, I guess we'll just need to wait and see I can see why people hate playing Infernador because they're an army which is intrinsically defensive in that it's, it, they don't particularly put it out in melee but they make it harder for you to do anything and then all yeah. the time they're magicking you, they're shooting you, you know, I can see why people might not like that but I, I think the main thing is you're absolutely right that this book's going to change so don't get hung up on anything just yet. And basically, I mean, we're really like a couple of days looking at this book. We're really going to need time when they're on the table to get a good measure of it. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's definitely, like you said, there's elements in this book which are not particularly fun. Uh, like the Lamassu, like the Inferno Bastion. Uh, we just need to see the table to see the d- degree to which you know, or they, they are not fun for opponents. Yeah. I think, but this is, I, I guess you could say like the same of like an Empire gun line. Like, yeah, totally. I mean, it, yeah, it's gun yeah, it's dead iron and the rest of it, and you've got to wait three turns before you can get in combat because you're just being shot, magic and chaffed for three turns. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, like you say, it's a gun line at the end of the day. If they can't hit for shit, then it's like, well, it's fine. When I get in combat, I'm going to win. You can, and then you can't pyro me. Do, so, unless you're not, unless you're fighting a block of immortals, I don't think there's that much in the book that that's super scary in combat. I think there's stuff that's good, but I don't think it's like crazy good. Yeah, and it's all quite spec of like the the torque anointed. Mm. Um, are probably the fightiest unit now. I think off the top of my head, um, like the, the disciples are, are obviously quite scary in combat, but they're, again yeah. they're quite specialized. So yeah, I mean it's like bod fiends if they get into them, they'll make a mess. The demon army's gonna fucked. <laughs> yeah, but moral victory because they're taking the torque <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Um, right. So another question from Kai. Um, we've to sell him on infernal dwarves. Why? What are the exciting elements that make them unique, and what are the hobby opportunities outside of putting your house under mortgage for uh, Forge World resin? Mm. So hobby opportunities, I'd say big hats uh, is always a pro when it comes to Infernal Dwarves. Um, I really like the cyber stuff. Yeah, 
they've got some really nice stuff. It's superly expensive. You'll have to sell a child as an army. Mm-hmm. Um, There's quite a lot of providers, though, for Infernal Dwarfs now. And they've there are. Of, they've gone away from that traditional... Like, big hat thing. Big hat, big nose thing. Um, yeah. But very racist when you think about it. Or anti-Semitic when you think about it. No, we're not getting into this conversation. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've kind of gone more towards the, the, the GW Forgehold aesthetic with the yeah. full place plate armor and the face plate and stuff like that. The braids, um, beards, the kind of more yeah. style. Um, I'm trying to think. There's there's Lost Kingdoms. They do really nice um, Infernal Dwarves at a reasonable price. There's Skybar. Um, who else have we got? Uh, Forge. There's other companies. Alternative do some. There's companies there. Avatar's Award with some heroes. Avatar's War. Oh, Mantic have just re-released all their Infernal stuff and some of that's really nice. And obviously at the cheaper end of the um, yeah. the market. So I'm just, I'm sure if you were like absolutely determined to do it, like the, the vassals and the slaves are so vanilla that you can really use whatever the fuck you want. The 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 Torok, like you could use field models for those for the anointed yeah. or whatever for the enforcers. So I think there's enough in the book that there's already a lot of flexibility and there's probably enough provider to the actual dwarven models. Um, if I had to sell someone on it, I would say they are warriors of the Dark Gods that aren't as good in gut, but they have a shooting fist. Yeah. I quite like the aesthetic. Like, traditionally, obviously, they've maybe gone a bit far in places, but it's that Syrian-Persian influence. Yeah, um, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Combine the fact with a very dark, you know, industry, slavery, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's, it's very different from everything else. Yeah. I think they are cool. Um, but obviously, that's not your thing. That's not your thing. Yeah, if you're not into slavery and your weirdo corning <laughs> um, demon stuff, then yeah, it's probably not for you. I think um, I think they've got a nice mix now of infantry, monstrous stuff. They've got some griblies, artillery. I think the book can do slightly different things now. Like, there's probably enough variety. Yeah. yeah, maybe aren't a lot of the options maybe aren't the most competitive, but at least there are options and they give people different things. And I think a lot to be said for the fact that if you give people options. Like what? What's popular on a tournament scene or a gaming scene changes, and lists change as the meta, you know, as the, the meta develops. <laughs> so things yeah. which weren't competitive six months ago become competitive. Yeah, for sure. Like this is, and this is all going to change across countries and clubs and all but, the rest. Of there's so. about a million thyroscutists kicking about the Saurian ancient list in this um, <laughs> social distancing, and everyone thought they were shit. Yeah, like if you know, it's like everything else. If you can use something. It doesn't matter what other people think about it. If you can get mileage out of it, then it's good. And if you have fun with it, then great. So, like, I'm sure... Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure there's going to be less kicking about with, like, multiple fucking... <laughs> which one? These uh, Lamassu scholars kicking about, but they're only one per army, so... Fucking <laughs> you imagine. You spell like this then? No! No, I think, um, I think the book... I think the book probably lends itself more to people than like, the shooting playstyle. But yeah. there are still other things in the book that back that up. So I think, I, th- I think as a first of, like official release, I think they've done a good job and given options. So that links into another question, which was from Fraz, and it's a bit of context for the viewers or listeners rather. Um, was this was just like a, a rant that he said? Well, we've re- we've he's emailed us again while we've been recording, <laughs> um, and they must be about two, three pages long, both of them. Okay. Um, and Phil Rance, but the, the basic concept to take away and the main question which I'm going to ask for him is um, does the Infernal bo- uh, Dwarf book 
infringe too much upon uh, particularly Dwarven Holds and maybe to a lesser extent things like Ember? Um, I mean, I suppose technically that's an impossible question because we've got no idea of what, they, what, what they're planning for Dwarves. So, there. so we're comparing this to what the Dwarven Hold book is and we're assuming that that's not going to change in the forthcoming books. Um, my impression of reading this book, I think dwarves are better in combat than Infernal Dwarves are. I think the stats are, are slightly better. Yep. Um, the magic, obviously, these guys have magic, dwarves have just ruins, so that's quite a big difference. Artillery-wise, really, yeah, there must be more variety in the Infernal Dwarf book. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, saying that, you've still got organ guns, catapults, cannons, and flame cannons. Um, Dwarven Holds have got three different flying things that can all shoot. That's kind of unique to the book. There's not really any of that in the Infernal Dwarf one. Um, Infernals have monsters. Dwarves don't have monsters. They've got Cav. Dwarven Holds don't have Cav. I, I feel like it, there's more variety in the Infernal Dwarf book. Yeah, I think, if anything, the Infernal Dwarf book makes the Dwarven Holds book look boring and bland. Yeah, but I mean, I guess before the I mean, Infernal Dwarf book came out, would you have said that before? Um, maybe, but definitely not to the extent that it is now. Okay, so I guess on the one hand we could say then that the new book is a testament that it's moving in the right direction in terms of giving more options and flavour in the new books compared to what people have been playing. Yes, agreed. They so just, that is They just seem intent on hitting the trees <laughs> on the path to that destination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to compare the books, because this is a new book and the Dwarf Hall book isn't. Yeah, and the, I think the Dwarf book will get like a massive overhaul, probably on the scale of Demons uh, when they get there. I just think, I think they're putting it off because they don't know what to do with it, or else I think they've been much further up the year, and it might still find itself further up on the order. Yeah, now that they've done these guys, maybe that's a good reason for them to maybe push it up a little bit like, to the Vermin's one. Maybe that'll yeah. be on the horizon. Um, but I... I it's, I think it's just a comparison to make. Like, if I was in mind, like this, like a, a, a new infernal dwarf army against an existing dwarven hold army, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing for dwarven holds. Oh, matchup wise, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll need to wait and see. I can understand where dwarf players will get frustrated because there's elements in this book, the, the preserve of dwarven holds before this, i.e having access to spears but we've already talked about that's fucking stupid anyway yeah um, like it's, at the end of the day we're talking about the inclusion of a strength four spear like i, yeah. like, I have no say because that was a new thing for ninth age anyway yeah i don't I, no one should have sympathy for dwarves we should like underline that point yeah. um but the, the dwarf complaints about things like uh mobility obviously the infernal dwarves are in quotation brackets from that same issue being dwarves but they've got options like like toric that give yeah. them mobile scoring but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, these are old arguments, which uh, the new book... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I don't... I mean, the Dwarf units themselves fit in from the Charles. And most of them are still 3-9 no. in terms of movement, which is the same with Dwarf and Holds. Like, there's no ambush options in this book. There's no scouting options in this book. There's no vanguarding options in this book. All three of those things are in the Dwarf and Hold book. Yeah. So, it swings around a bit. I, I don't buy the mobility issue. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> a separate podcast. 
Um, and then finally, before we wrap up, uh, it's a question from the look. Um, what is the beard wax made of that the Infernal Dwarfs use? Is it fresh out of Seeker's Tears? I'm going to say Torox semen. I was literally going to be like, it's either jizz or semen. I just can't decide on where from. <laughs> it's, it's their own jizz every time they roll a four up on their... Uh, oh, sexy. Or every time they, their opponents fail to roll a four up to wound them in combat. It's like, <gasps> they're fucking milking out of that Lamasu. <laughs> oh my god. He's such a fucking wink already. <laughs> Lama jizz. What's your Lamasu doing behind that hill? Like... <laughs> <laughs> the overlord comes out licking his lips. <laughs> oh my god. There we go. Back to normal. <laughs> um, right, so that's probably an appropriate time to wrap things up. So this has been an absolute monster on episode. Um, we we hope that you guys have found this useful and uh, exciting, maybe? Insightful, maybe not? In terms of moving forward, we're going to try and get a couple episodes out in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. Um, we're going to be talking about the campaign, which we've been running. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just laughing at the prospect of getting a few episodes out in a few weeks. I think this episode's going to take us a few weeks to fucking end. <laughs> absolute monster. <laughs> Uh, we've done this sober as well. To try I know, and this is quicker. middle of the day. This is middle of the fucking day. I hope you fuckers appreciate this. <laughs> um, right, so future episodes, which will not be sober. Um, we've got an uh, episode on the campaign, which will be cool. We're mm-hmm. going to get a super secret, exciting guest on to talk about something. Yep. Stay tuned. That That's not supposed to be ambiguous because we don't know who that person is no, or what no, that topic exactly. is. We're just keeping it under, uh, under wraps yeah. right now. They're going to be so disappointed when it's Martin again. <laughs> yeah, when we ask this person and they say no. <laughs> Um, and then we're going to have an episode uh, we're going to try and get uh, put Lego on uh, to talk about the quick start rules mm-hmm. uh, and talk about that because since we've both been playing a few quick starter games and I know for instance that Michael has been asked to trial the Empire lists for the quick start rules and things like that so, maybe we should get Michael on that as well um, yeah maybe maybe we need to because this has been a, a somewhat not serious a little bit less chaotic episode so maybe I mean to... there's only been maybe Two penis jokes the entire four hours of recording. So this has been this has been tame. This is tame, tame vanilla shit. As always, you can get in contact with the podcast by contact us on Twitter at Scottish Night Page, on Facebook with the Scottish Wildlings group. You can drop us an email, uh, Scottish Wildlings at gmail.com. Nailed it. Confidence. Uh, you can grab Paul on Twitter as well, at Space Goblin. I just jockey off the club's Twitter, so. You know, I, yeah. I struggle to remember our works, so like, you know. I was actually thinking this, do you think we should get a Twitter for the podcast, everyone? Um, well, like, if you think that you're somewhat to what you can post to the club on. I would like uh, post more profanity if I could get access to that. Uh, yeah, go for it to set one up then. We can just post all sorts. Stay tuned at my radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, please do send those questions if you have any. If you've got any topic ideas, anything you'd like us to chat about, fire them in. If you'd like to come on the show, Please get in contact. Well then, stay safe guys, and we'll catch you in the next one. Yeah, take it easy everyone. Catch you next time.